Fuck yeah, that's how we roll. Woo! Welcome to Black Sky Legion, episode, uh, I don't know, 89, A Walk in the Clouds. This is Friday, July 23rd, 2021. I am your host, Kai Zen. That is tasty. And uh, we're here to uh, have a little fun and talk some space games and sci-fi and whatnots. I hope you guys are ready for a Friday night party. With me, as always, is my lovely and talented co-host, Commander Roy Cookson. Say hello to the beautiful people, Roy. Well, let me unmute you and then try that. Yeah, try it again. Hey, happy Friday, everyone. Glad you're here. I am super excited about tonight's episode. Hell yes. Also with us, we've got Tweet74. Say hi, Tweet. Hello, everybody. Friday night. Time to party. Have some fun. Absolutely. And we've got the lovely and talented, our, our ship's counselor. We've got Commander Katie Byrne. Say hi, Katie. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Uh, I am also extremely excited to be here. Friday at last. Uh, let's have some fun. Absolutely. And we have a special guest tonight. Uh, Wolf had to take care of some business, but we got Commander Audaxius, a uh, bona fide, 100%, honest to goodness, elite commander to come and talk elite stuff while I fill up this glass with a little bit of Jack Daniels. Say hi, Audax. Good evening, everyone. I am a long-time listener and first-time guest on the show. If I can manifest half the personality as Kai, I will consider tonight a complete success. Hey, don't sell yourself short. You're also Roy's <laughs> on like low-key on the down-low lover. So you got hey, that going hey, hey, just, just don't take, come on, come on, don't give it away. Nobody tell Roy's wife. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so, man, we've got a packed show tonight. We've got. I should probably scroll down to the notes to the part where that was. I was pouring a drink or two. Um, all right. So right off the bat, let's start with the fact that our opening song was The Immigrant Song by Cybertronic Spree. There will be a link in the show notes uh, after the show is up. And you guys can pull that and enjoy it to your own content. But also, like, support the hell out of the band, the Cybertronic Spree. They are an awesome, funky, cool band that plays just great music while wearing Transformers costumes, because why wouldn't you? Uh, the closing song is going to be by the same band, and it's going to be Barracuda. So, uh, for our intros, let's start with what we're all drinking. I have slowed down. I was drinking something a little crazy but now i'm just drinking jack and coke with my left hand and dragon's milk beer with my right hand uh katie what are you drinking tonight tonight kai i'm drinking my regular tipple which is a classic vodka and coke right on right on <laughs> what about you audax what you drinking tonight brother I got some Lost Dutchman Rye Whiskey, which tastes like it was distilled in an abandoned mine here in Arizona. Not, I, uh, nice question mark. Yeah. Tweet. It's got a touch of gun, gun smoke and dynamite. Hey, man. Who doesn't have a taste of a touch of gun smoke and dynamite? Shit happens when you party naked. You know what I mean? Tweet. What you drinking? 
Well, I, of course, have my uh, trusty cup of coffee next to me flavored with that freaking wonderful, amazing 6 and 20 Carolina cream, which is their version of Bailey's, but so much better. This Dude. shit is like legit. This stuff is so good. Dude, uh, uh, just and this is just for anyone who's listening. I mean, I joke that we're sponsored by them. There's a listener who sends us stuff, but I have other listeners at this point that sends me alcohol. I got a message from a guy not an hour ago that's like, "Hey, I'm from Canada. I want to send you a bottle." Like, yeah, I don't. I give no fucks. Have my address. Send it. Uh, show up if you want to go down. Like, whatever. But like, um, we don't get like actual money from six and twenty. But let me tell you something. The six and twenty wheat whiskey that we got, that was pretty good. The six and twenty uh five grain bourbon whiskey, that was pretty strong. And that's how I like it. So yeah, pretty good. Some people will like it, some people will not. The six and twenty Carolina cream that we got, holy fuck, that is the best shit I've tasted in my life. I went through the bottle in well under a day. That shit is, it is stronger, sweeter, tastier than than Bailey's in every possible way. I was looking for, I was drinking coffee at six o'clock in the fucking evening. It was like, yeah, more coffee, more of this. And I got to the point where it was like 50-50. Like shit was legit. Um, so, well, I'll, I will even put a link in the show notes again. I get we get no money from this. We, this is not a thing where I'm shilling for whatever. This is I'm shilling because it's fucking delicious and you guys are lovely people and you should enjoy it. Go order yourself that six and twenty Carolina cream. You're gonna fucking love it. And and the guy that sends it to us too, I should add, he's a commander. He he plays Elite Dangerous on the daily. I still see he's one of the few that I do see online on Xbox almost every day. So shout out. Yeah, yeah. Project, what is he, like Project 675 or Project 625 or yeah. something like that. I know yeah. it's Project in numbers, and I know his icon, because when his icon, <laughs> I, sh- I shit you not, his icon pops up in my, my Discord every once in a while, and I'm like, woo, because I know what's coming. He's going to be like, oh, look, here's a, <laughs> here's a box. Here's some bottles in it. Enjoy. Um, love that guy. But, yeah, give that a try. Um and Roy, tell us, brother, what yeah, you drink? What uh, you drinking tonight? Uh, check check B roll first. Um, oh, so tonight bad. I'm drinking a variant of a cocktail called the Monte Carlo, uh, and instead of using a rye whiskey, I'm enjoying mine with six and twenties five grain bourbon whiskey, which I think pairs beautifully with uh, with that cocktail. That that six and twenty five grain. Let me tell you something. That. It's got a nice little kick to it. It's a little something-something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hell yes, hell yes. Um, all right, let me... I was in the wrong channel. There we go, missing B-roll. Yep, now I see it. All right, so... I want to give a huge congrats to Wally Funk, Jeff Bezos, and Richard Branson on their flights. We've got an honest-to-God elite commander to talk about the game he still loves. We got the Hull Seals make a startling announcement. No Man's Sky has released a rare development update. Star Citizen has released patch 3.14 to the full PTU, so Cloud City is available to visit for all the backers. And two new massive sci-fi trailers drop that are going to melt your fucking brain. All this and more... So stay tuned.
If you're listening to us on the podcast and would like to see the live show and visuals, check us out on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Black Sky Legion and on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Black Sky Legion. If you're watching us on YouTube or Twitch and would like to know how to catch our podcast, check out anchor.fm forward slash Black Sky Legion. For sending us your thoughts by email, you can reach us at blackskylegion at gmail.com. Our very active and growing Black Sky Legion Discord can be found at tinyurl.com forward slash BSL Discord, where you can check out community feedback, resources on Elite Dangerous, Star Citizen, and No Man's Sky, and real-time updates from a variety of content creators. In addition to the Discord community feedback channel, feel free to write in our YouTube comments anything about the topic of the week, as well as anything else you'd like to share. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you're enjoying the show on YouTube, please make sure to like and subscribe on click and click on the bell. It really helps us out. On Twitch, a follow would be much appreciated. We record live on YouTube and Twitch every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, midnight UTC, so come and join in on the fun. If you're listening to us on the podcast, please make sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you use, and let us know if there's a format you want us to look into. We don't do Patreon, so save your money and just tell your friends about the show. You're listening to Black Sky Legion? This is Fake Burger Ant. Subscribe if you want. Who fucking cares? <laughs> Goddamn. Great, Roy. Good stuff. Oh, man. That shit got me. That's, that's legit. We're going to start off with our guest interview. Commander Audaxius. Our, our, the one guy I know... That's still in love with Elite. Tell me all about it, brother. Uh, Elite is a space game. I don't know if you know what those are. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I am an Elite Commander. I am a Black Sky Legionnaire almost since day one. Uh, and Elite holds a, a very particular special place in my mind in that I was not a gamer at all. And uh, I happened to have played a little game called Freelancer in high school. And I, at random, saw a YouTube clip of someone playing Elite. This is coming up on about a year and a half, two years ago. And it, it, just, it just hit this old dormant nerve in my brain. And I remembered that, that magic of what that space game genre and the, uh, the experience that it presented. And I dove into Elite, and I have been in it ever since. It was the only game I played up till very recently, um, and it holds it holds a very special place because it, it would it took a lot to to get me into this world. It had to be the right thing, and Elite hit that nerve and uh, kind of with spades. Um, but as we all know, things have taken a certain course over the last couple of months, um, and I. I felt really strongly about this topic um, before I came to Kai about it, but just I I sensed that like not only the game but the entire community was reaching this fork in the road, and and it very much was going to be like a, a cleaving of ways. The game was going to go in a definite direction, um, and it's it's kind of a period of soul searching in a, in a sense for the community, for the people involved in it, um, and hopefully for Frontier. And I thought that one point I could address now because we stand kind of at this balancing point um, is, is the idea, you know, the overall idea of story um, and theme and narrative and, and a little background, why that kind of means so much to me is, you know, pre COVID times, I actually did quite a few storytelling events um, around the city I live in. It was, it's something that I've done for a while. Um, and that, 
those themes really kind of hit home close to me. So I'm basically coming um, with an appeal. And, and the appeal I'm making now is, is, is that we stand at this point in the trajectory of the game that I want to kind of make a case, make the case for um, things like narrative, things like story. And, and I kind of want to, you know, address two sides of, of this coin. Um, in my experience with Elite, one thing I saw come up a lot um, was the idea of personal narrative. And uh, I, I saw this where people would vouch for it hard. I saw this where people would kind of mock the concept. And, uh, and I, I felt that I kind of saw it play out differently than I would have expected. Um, because with me growing up, you know, I'm, I'm 35 years old, so I'm kind of in this middle range. I had the run of, I've run the gamut from like Super Mario Brothers when I was five years old, you know, all the way up to the simulation games like Elite Star Citizen we have now. Um, so what I've seen in my own life is that the, the idea of narrative in games, um, it has come leaps and bounds as the technology has. I mean, video games used to be you ran from the start to the end and you got points. And that was the narrative. Like there was a points that you scored and a little like flasher that went off at the end of the level. And, uh, but now as the technology has progressed, as, as the industry has expanded, we've hit this point where we have sandbox games and the potential is through the roof. It's exponential. Um, I, I threw myself into elite and what I saw was this entire world and framework for me to just put myself into and put myself on. And like the first time your sidewinder pulls up into that station, you'd like, oh, where do I go? What do I do? And like for the first time in my life, the answer was like, whatever you want. Like, go where you want to go. Does your frame shift drive jump that far? Like, cool, go that way. Doesn't matter. It's in your hands. Like, you you write the story. So that was a, that was a format that really hit home with me because I'm like, I can put a piece of myself into this um and the simulation game i think is that is that kind of taken to its its highest form um and it becomes this thing that you can put a piece of yourself into as opposed to having the goal presented to you which is what video games were for, for you know for so many of us for so long um so then it became that i saw there was basically this split right like Frontier gets a lot of flack for elite being the, the, the adage of like a, like, you know, as wide as the ocean and as shallow as a puddle. Um, but what I saw is this, this framework presented kind of a dual responsibility. Um, you have the narrative that frontier puts in the game and that, you know, has its hits and misses. And then you have the, the kind of unquantifiable part of what you put in the game. And I saw an interesting divide um, in how the game was received and that a lot of people would criticize it for their not being narrative, for the narrative being like piecemeal, um, kind of disconnected. Um, and I would see people that went fully into the narrative. These are, you know, the, the furthest extent of that would be like role-playing groups, um, groups that really take power play to its furthest extent. Um, but it was interesting seeing that like what I felt was that the the division of responsibility as far as like the story of the game went i always felt that it was an equal playing field like frontier gave us the tools they you know they gave us the sandbox 
they put the bucket here, they put the shovel here, and now it's up to us. What do you want to do with that? Um, and I always felt there was a little bit of a misunderstanding as far as what personal narrative was and how kind of it was on you to take up the mantle of what you made the game to be. And then just to be clear, like what I, what I don't mean is like role play specifically, like some people are into that, but I'm not, I'm not talking just about that. Like that, that wasn't even my thing. Um, mm. That's kind of its whole own the little genre. Um, but what I basically, what I saw is that the more that people invested themselves into the game, mm-hmm. that was, that was the key to, putting all these pieces together. Um, and what I saw as one of the biggest examples of that is, ba- is, is really like just the BGS, which is this, when I first saw it, it's this archaic Excel spreadsheet numbers game. Mm-hmm. But when I joined Black Sky Legion, um, and for those of you who don't know, the Black Sky Legion was our effort to expand the Dark Wheel to targeted systems um, to see if it could trigger anything as far as the story in the game went. No offense, but um, it hurts my heart that you said that past tense. Go ahead. I that's but <laughs> we came to see right. <laughs> we we pushed for a year, a like a a, cro- a linear year to targeted systems. A year we had wolf. Months. We had wolf crunching numbers for an ungodly amount of time to get the the systems targeted right, and nothing happened. <laughs> and I just, and I to this day I love it to death. It's probably the single biggest effort in game as far as like man hours over time. Um, But my point with that is that the saga of black sky Legion was its own story. Like there, there isn't a single tourist beacon in game to mark what we did. There may be someday, but it became its own thing and it became the effort that we put. And all of us like remember certain systems that were a headache and it became like they provided the BGS as a building block and we picked it up and we put it together. And those pieces of the puzzle that Frontier has created, but not necessarily bound together, I always felt it gave us the room to kind of weave ourselves into it and to piece it together ourselves. Um, and that, I think, can create a different understanding of the game. Um, I think... Elite can be whatever you want. You can be an anti-zero pilot. Um, you can work the BGS. You can be an explorer and not have seen another player in years. But I always felt that part of the magic of Elite was that if you invested enough of yourself into these individual building blocks, you wove a story that Frontier would never have not only the time nor the effort to do, but also not the responsibility. And just kind of a, a, a an example of that for me I think I've also heard this term referred to as headcanon, but just the idea that, like, mm-hmm. regardless of whether, regardless of what direction Frontier pushed, you always had a direction you were going. And so, my guy, when I started Elite, I happened to start in an Imperial section, um, and I went with it. I ran with it. I was like, I'm going to work for the Empire. I will be an Imperial guy. But you know, in real life, I think slavery is bullshit. So I'm never once going to trade slaves. I never once in game earned a single credit from trading slaves. Um, I caught wind of the turning the wheel initiative and that became part of my story. I defected, you know, my guy defects from the empire as it were, joins black sky legion, starts turning the wheel and that becomes its whole own thing. Nice. And that always, and, and that always provided more than a goal. It provided like the glue, like a goal was, I got to get my, you know, I got to get my FSD up to grade five. 
I've got to get out to Colonia. I've got to get this engineer unlocked. But it didn't reduce the game to a goal that had like a number in it or a checkbox. And I saw a lot of players burn themselves out because they had those numerical goals that the game provided, but they were never intended to be the purpose of it. And I always felt if that if those are the mileposts in the road instead of the road itself, you know, I could see a game like Elite going on forever, really, because it's that place for you to imprint yourself. And if you just reduce it to PvP or you just reduce it to like I've got to get, you know, whatever whatever that goal is that can pop up on the screen and say like you did XYZ. Uh-huh. Um I just I saw a lot of commanders burn themselves out with that and I feel that having that idea that you have a narrative that transcends frontiers delivery of the game mechanics. I see that as a lot of, a lot of long burning fuel um, in the engine that is elite. So frontier didn't drop the ball totally. I mean, I like a few examples. I I liked the way they did the guardian sites, um, that it's a journey to get out there. It's this process. They also kind of dropped the ball because for anti-Xeno pilots, they then become a burden instead of an asset. Um, some of the engineer unlocks were good. I mean, I think the idea that to get the first one, you have to, you know, do a, do a, um, a, tr- you have to travel so many light years. A lot of the engineer unlocks are an absolute God awful headache. Let that me, make let no me, sense. Let yeah. me hop in here. Yeah. I feel like a lot of what I'm hearing from you and, and mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but a lot of what I'm hearing from you is frontier puts in cool gameplay loops or interesting things to explore and see once and then they don't trust the work that they've done to give you an awesome galaxy and instead rely on you having to go back to that same loop 99 fucking times until Mm -hmm. it makes your eyeballs bleed so like they have cool content but they don't Mm -hmm. trust it so instead, they make you grind that content, which mm-hmm. when they when it switches from an exploration and first time seeing it to grinding it for the 88th time, it's unfun. I think that's dead on. And you, and you kind of provided me a perfect segue because I think the biggest one of the biggest faults I saw play out with this dynamic is Frontier didn't realize they gave us a lot of the tools and a lot of the groundwork for us to create the number of hours in game because we're invested in it. They thought they had to manufacture that need by all the game loops you just described, all the things you have to grind out, all the obstacles they put in the way. And I think that's one ultimately one of the tragedies of it is that they didn't understand that we will, we will spend those hours in game for our own reasons. They do not need to impose game mechanics that require it of us. And I've spent, I, I mean, God, I know Steam tracks the hours and it's probably embarrassing to admit it, but, you know, upwards of upwards of 2000 hours in Elite, which, you know, I won't be more specific than that. Um, and I never once in the game grinded. I always brought collector limpets in combat. I harvested materials. You know, I went to Jameson's crash site maybe once. Um, I every single hour in that game that I've had, I've loved. I've only done exactly what I want. It took me nine months during the Imperial Cutter. I swore off doing the the rank grind. Um, to this day, it's my favorite ship in game, and I feel uh, I feel a kind of a personal connection to it that cannot be simulated. Because mm. I mean, it took me as long as it did to make my baby daughter as it did to earn that ship. Um, and then that kind of segues into 
this latest debacle kind of this is now like the 30,000 foot view um, of what I'm seeing happening with Elite and the Odyssey. And this is kind of the big picture, because in as much as each one of us can have a story in the game, we can have a group that we're a part of. Elite itself has a story and it has a story arc. It's one of the longest in the video game industry. Um, and we are at a crossroads in the story of Elite because the game itself has a story. It has a community and it's at a very unique spot. And, and this is what I've seen. You know, I've, I haven't played the original lead. I, you know, we have guys that even in the discord that have played the original, you know, back when they were a kid. Um, but I have sensed now that in the story arc of Elite as a game, Frontier has reached a point where they are revealing that even they don't understand it. And, and this is kind of the, I'll kind of lay out my case here. Um, the first is that, like I said, like simulation games are very unique. This is not Fortnite. This is not Call of Duty. This is not Super Mario Brothers. Like, it, it baffled me for so long how people could get so emotional about Elite or how they could get so worked up about Frontier's behavior. And I didn't really get it as an outsider until I realized, like, if this game's a framework that you place yourself into, when it goes wrong, it's not, a, it's not as simple as a gameplay mechanic that, that just pisses you off. Like, you have, you have put a piece of yourself into this in your time, in your emotion. And when you do something like the release of Odyssey has done, the experience of the game is not just a game anymore. It is, it's basically like it mirrors a human relationship, right? And human relationships can be muddy and they can be, they can have all sorts of weird contingencies woven into them. But when I saw this release of Odyssey, I saw the vitriol online. I saw the content creators talking about it. I saw this Max Essex forming. I realized like, this is about emotion. This is about feeling like this is mirroring like a interpersonal relationship. Like the story has reached a point where we have taken a downturn as a community and there's all this writing on the wall about it. I mean, I think of all the friendships that I formed in black sky Legion. I think of all the groups that are really tight knit in the game. I see the passion that people have poured, uh, they have poured into community efforts like distant worlds, but just the whole turning the wheel initiative. Um, and, the teamwork people put into the logistics of fleet carriers, how you can not be able to do the Tripsicolonia yourself, someone of their own time and expense will carry you out there. All these things are kind of woven in together. And the, you know, the opposite side of that is now with Odyssey, with this, this kind of vein has been there all along, but with Odyssey, we've seen this salt, um, creep up from the mines. We've seen the cynicism. We've seen this sense of like people saying they feel like, some you know trust has been betrayed and i realized like frontier is out of touch they're out of touch with the story arc of their own game um and just like in a human relationship like all of us have known someone who was dating someone for way too long past they should have and like it went sour and i don't think frontier realizes in the community like they can reach a point of no return like they can they can get to the point where they don't know they don't know how to fix the game they botch the release. And if they get to the point where our trust is eroded, they can lose it to the point where it will not come back. You're saying all of that as a hypothetical? I think we've yeah. reached that point as a oh, yeah. very, very exact, direct fucking representational. Um, and my, 
Yeah. My, but, my appeal to Frontier, yeah, my appeal to Frontier is basically this. Like, you need to think about this not as a business decision. Um, you need to think about this like you would a human relationship. And if you come to the community a few months later and be like, oh, hey, cool, new SRV, like, yay, you might be past the tipping point. Yep. And I think we're at that point now. And I think if Frontier was metricing these decisions less, you know, MBA sitting around analyzing quarterly reports and more as like, this story has reached a fork in the road. You can keep us or you can lose us, but it comes down to trust. It comes down to how we feel about the game, how we feel about your relationship with us and where we see this story leading in the end. And I, I wish to God that the boardroom of Frontier was filled with more artists and more storytellers um, than it was people in suits and people making decisions based on quarterly profit reports. Good point. Because I think that, yeah, the story of Elite is at a crossroads um, and I want it to have a happy ending. And I really wish that Frontier starts acting in accordance with that. And if they hear me, then think about it like you would a relationship with the person because the community, the, the, soul, of the, the soul of the community has taken a hit. Okay. And okay. you can't buy that back. All right. Those are all excellent points. Uh, we're going to let Roy hop in. He's got a point. Go ahead. Yeah, well, actually, two. Uh, I guess the first one is I'm going to I'm gonna call you Autodaxius on your claim of how long it took you to make your daughter. I think your wife had something to do with that. Yeah, that she was doing all the heavy lifting. <laughs> oh, <probably. dude>. oh <laughs> boy. Your part took about 30 <laughs> seconds. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Ouch. My, my other point was... Um, this, this idea that the content in the game is already good enough to keep us engaged without them having to, you know, create loops to make us stay in the game. And, and Katie brought up something very similar to this, I think, in, in, uh, in previous weeks as well. It reminds me, and this never occurred to me until just hearing it again now, this is sort of like Minecraft survival mode versus creative mode. Mm. When you put people in creative mode, just because they've suddenly got everything that others grind for in survival mode, that doesn't stop them from playing. There's people that I mean, I don't need to tell you guys this. There's people who put thousands of hours into making tremendous things in creative mode. So it, it's a it's a proven example of you don't have to have the grind to have people engage it if they're playing out their own headcanon. Very good point. Um, all right. Let's see. Hold on one second. I'm sending a message to Adaxius. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think those are... I totally respect where Adaxius is coming from. I kind of think that it's at the point where it's like, dude, they're a multi-billion dollar company. If they haven't figured this out by now, oof for them. Um, mm. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree with any of the stuff that Audacity said as a hopeful elite commander, God, I feel bad for him. I feel like, but at the same time, I know for a fact he's been playing the fuck out of star citizen and having a good time. So I kind of don't feel bad for him. I feel bad for the elite commanders who haven't been able to, or chosen to expand their horizons, pun intended. Um, yeah. So that was our, uh, sort of interview slash, you know, I, I just, I wanted to stay out of it entirely and just let Audax talk for a bit. 
That was our bit of an elite dangerous commander talking about his feelings. A unabashed elite dangerous fan talking about his feelings on how things are. Um, and yeah, that was good stuff. And now we're going to move on to the, the actually sort of uh, uh, the uh, um, Black Sky News Legion Weekly section of the show so right off the bat you know what we do first off let's address the fact we've rebranded of course um we have so if you notice on the screen you see black sky legion in the discord it's black sky legion and the youtube black sky legion twitch black sky legion the gmail is www.blackskylegion.com or at gmail.com. The fucking Twitter is Black Sky Legion. Everything is Black Sky Legion now. I told you we were going to make this change. We were going to change to something. We, we did. Surprise! Um, I also want to make a show note. I think it's time that we retire the salt zone. I feel like Elite is being kicked enough as it is. I'm not saying they don't deserve it. They definitely deserve it. They Frontier fucked up hard. But I don't think that continuing to kick them is helping things. And I'm bored with it. I don't in any way censor my crew. So everyone's going to address what they want to address. If Salt comes out, deal with it. If you don't like it, fucking don't follow our show. The people of my crew are welcome to... And the guests are welcome to speak their minds, whether it's positive, negative, on any subject whatsoever without censorship from me. Um, but I feel like having a segment where we specifically sort of call out the salt, it's not needed anymore. At this point, it's time for a little more positivity, or if not positivity, then just neutrality, and like, let's just report on shit. And pray that they unfuck themselves at some point along this process. <clears throat> so that's the show note out of the way. <sighs> Let's go ahead and uh, talk to the the crew. We'll start with... How about we start with uh, Katie? What have you been up to in games this week? I have had... Uh, thank you. I have had a very busy week this week in terms of Star Citizen. Um, so Tuesday... I had my first session with a with an org, uh, a Milsim org within Star Citizen. And um, for those who don't know, um, before Elite Dangerous, my my primary game that I played online was Armor with a with a unit called the Fifteenth MEU. Um, so I've got a history with with Milsim in general, and obviously with with the scope of Star Citizen, I always suspected that the, that the the potential for Milsim within Star Citizen was was huge. And I had my first, uh, what, what we in the Milsim community would call a training session with uh, a, an org called the UEE Pathfinders. Uh, you should look them up, by the way. If, if you ha haven't seen their videos, they are incredible. The org v org events they hold. Uh, if you want to see what the potential for Star Citizen battles can be, look those videos up. They're incredible. But I had a, um, a training session with them. It was a close quarters battle. Uh, marine training it was an infantry type training on 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 the ground 
and uh, it was PvP. It was incredibly fun. Um, I've arranged to have have more sessions with them, um, and it, it, it highlighted to me that the uh, that my suspicions were correct. The uh, the the potential for Milsim within Star Citizen it is there, and they were so organised too. They had like they had dropship crews to bring us down. They had a team in orbit at the com relay to shut it down so that none of us got crime stats while we were killing each other. Um, it was it was very impressive. Um, then on Wednesday, I was on the captain's table, the, the podcast hosted on the Astrobub channel. Um, I was appearing alongside Mechanic Man, who some uh, Elite Dangerous commanders may recognize, and Enterprise. Uh, and it was a panel talking about Elite Dangerous commanders that have since moved to Star Citizen. Um, and it was a lot of fun to be on. I'm very, very grateful for Paul for, for inviting me on. Um, that, that has been my week in, in gaming, Kai. All right, why don't we jump over to Tweaked? All right, well, uh, in gaming, I, I, I've played zero Elite Dangerous other than getting on and cleaning up from Squadron things from time to time. I started my run through Mass Effect 3, the remastered version, and having a great time with that still. Uh, but I was having an interesting conversation earlier today with some Elite Dangerous friends whom still think of, of Star Citizen as being pay to win. And I was actually debating it with them and having, I used to think of Star Citizen as pay to win as well. And since I've been studying it, researching it, watching all the vids, talking to all the people that played, have been playing it for so long, I've kind of changed my mind on that. Uh, to me, Star Citizen just, it doesn't give you a huge advantage to get that kind of the, the big ships or the, a lot of money to start with. It, it doesn't, in Elite Dangerous, a lot of the gameplay revolves around the grind to, to get, objects to, to get your ship to get the engineering in star citizen i think it's more or less not a grind to get something but it's about the gameplay that you're going to participate in but i was thinking how about you guys uh you, roy katie audacious you guys have been playing star citizen what do you think on that topic about the pay to win mm. Oof. um <laughs> that's a deep topic <laughs> yeah I thought a bit about it, but it could be a long answer. I don't think it is pay to win. I don't think it is because purely because of the fact that everything that can be bought with credits can be earned in game, and a lot of these the more expensive ships that you see, um, they require like a crew of X number of people to make them work effectively. Uh, they, you know, a single player could not buy a hammerhead, for example, and then jump into the game and be extremely effective with that ship they would require an entire crew of people yeah. to make that ship work for them 100 percent. yep yeah right and i actually used <laughs> your video of, uh, that i saw this morning katie as an example you've been playing star citizen for what maybe a month at this point that's about right yeah yeah and you already had a ship you had your guns you were having some emergent amazing gameplay eva and doing all kinds of different things and mm. to me you can do that so quickly and i mean in stars or in excuse me in elite dangerous really what do you what can you do in your first week or two in game you're lucky to be able to jump a couple systems from where you start really so so to me it's not pay to win in my opinion anymore go ahead katie oh uh, i was gonna say that that a, a, a big difference between the two in in, in regards to exactly what you just mentioned tweet 
is that if I introduce another player to the game, uh, which I have done now, a bunch of people at Skunkworks have been introduced to the game um, as a result of my videos or as a result of my recommendation, I can give, I can send them like in-game with an in-game app that exists. I can send them credits to get them a ship started. I can give them a, we- a gun if they mm. need to. If they need to do some ground combat, I can just say, "Here's a gun. Have a gun." Um, uh, it, it, the the potential for existing players to bring new players into the game, um, just purely on if they've only got the, the the starter package, if they've only got one of the forty five dollars ships, I can still help them get into the game, get their first get get their first uh, better ship, give them the weapons and equipment they might need to get started. Um, yeah, you you can you can do a lot very early in Star Citizen. I, I I think I'd like to hop in with my view on Tweak's question. Is Star Citizen pay to win? The answer very clearly is no. It is not pay to win. Now, it is pay to advantage. And I don't like that. I'll be honest. I just, I don't like that. Me personally, I have feelings against that. However... If it weren't for that, I don't think we would have this amazing project that we have. So, Star Citizen is pay to advantage or pay to skip the grind of however X amount of hours to to pay for Y ship, okay? But here's why it is very clearly not pay to win. If I'm some fucking Saudi baller who buys a, an Idris or a Hammerhead or whatever, and then I think, look at me, I'm the fucking man. I've got this ship that is unbeatable. And I go out solo, I'm going to get eaten alive. Because the fact of the matter is, is if you don't have the proper crew and don't have the proper understanding of what an Idris is and how it operates or uh, what a, a hammerhead is and how it operates, you are going to get fucked. You are going to lose that shit. It is going to get stolen from you. It is going to get blown up from underneath you. You are going to lose it. Now, yes, if you know what you're doing and you're smart, you can use the advantages of the pay for it in cash and, you know, pay to advantage or pay to skip grind. And you can get things faster than other people. That is just a fact. But you have to have as the player who is dealing with the asset, just like in life, you can be Bill Gates' kid or, or, or Elon Musk's kid, and you can get a Ferrari on your 16th birthday. If you have no fucking clue how to drive it, there's a very good chance that you're going to wrap that Ferrari around a tree inside of six months, and that's going to suck for you. Now... I, I feel like that's a fair and balanced view at it. I really, me personally, and I'm not talking for the crew. I'm not talking for the project. 
I don't like the idea of getting sort of advantages or shortcuts through paying cash. I like the advantages or the idea of everyone being on an even playing field. But if you're talking about a game that's put out by Activision or EA or Blizzard, that's a situation where like they get their funding from corporations and they don't have to like at that point giving people an advantage or a shortcut through cash that's very very distasteful but star citizen cig is a project that they don't want to deal with activision and blizzard and ea and all of the bullshit that comes with that so as a result they went a different way and it has its pluses and minuses. Let's be adults here. Let's be grown-ups for a second and accept the fact that everything in this life is a choice and a balance of pluses and minuses. This path has these advantages and disadvantages. That path has these advantages and this disadvantages. And you have to pick one. And I think that of all of the sins of the quote-unquote baller shortcut of getting an Idris or a hammerhead with pay to advantage. Those sins and hassles and bullshit and fucking stupid ass cuntiness of loot packages and people fucking forcing you to put out a product when it's not done yet and screwing over your backers and this, that, and the other that comes with dealing with an EA or an Activision or a whoever. Those sins are far outweighed or, or, or in and of themselves, sorry, far outweigh the sins of this guy over here got an uh, Idris I got a Mustang. Guess what? Give me six fucking months. I will build that Mustang into an empire and I will come for his fucking Idris. Fight me if you disagree. <laughs> Next up. Ooh, uh, who's got an opinion? Uh, uh, I could just add two things. I'm oh, sorry, Roy. Go first. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I agree with Kai. It's a system that I, I don't like, but I think it, it presents, for me, it presents two two things in addition to what Kai said, which I agree with. Um, the first is in my experience in Star Citizen recently, which is what all I have been head over heels for the past couple of weeks, and Katie can testify to that firsthand. Uh, uh, one of the ironies to me is that that system, I think all the knowledge of the specific detailed mechanics that you would get naturally and organically on your way to earning that ship you then have to play catch up if you buy it with cash. So it, it can be, I don't know, depending on your experience mm. with the game, it can be kind of self-defeating because you would be better and you would get that chip in your hands the moment that you really know how to use it. Um, and the other is that it's it's just this weird consequence of that, of that financial model. I don't see any other viable asset in game for CIG to offer that people would pay money for other than the ships, the... A combat is cheap. It's affordable, um, and the I guess the one, the, it's the it's the one trump card they have as far as a reliable asset to offer in the absence of being a publicly traded company. Um, and at the end of the day, even if you buy the biggest ship in the world, if you suck at the game, the second you're on foot, you're going to get hosed anyway. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I see it as a unfortunate, but, but unique and strange consequence of the financial model they chose to operate on. Anybody else have anything they want to add to tweaks comment? Uh, yeah, I'll jump in. I've been, I've been watching, we got a lively conversation going on in Twitch, uh, about this topic. This is sort of lit the board up. Um, we've got things rolling in from crazy shark 048, uh, MGL 1206 versus Eric, JTAC Panda, uh, shale 601. I mean, I, I'm yoke 24 ages in the, a lot of what they've said has been rolled up in some of the comments that have been mentioned, but they're all pointing out various ways where the reality of having a large ship maybe departs from what people think about when it's, let's say, from our filter in Elite, you get handed a big ship. There's even more. There's even more hurdles you have to overcome with, as been as, as has been mentioned, the crew. You have to. You can't just like if you don't put someone in the turret, it doesn't work. So you're flying around solo in your big ship, and you've got the nose gun, maybe, and otherwise you've got nothing. Um, you have to do repairs; those cost lots of money. You've got ammo. Like there's a lot of other factors they've put in that really drive you to have to have um, mm. the community around you supporting you in this big ship. The the other thing I was going to add though is, um, in practice, what I've seen is not people rolling in with their giant ship and playing Dr. Evil and trolling everybody or ganking everybody. What I've seen is the people that have the resources, uh, and if you follow the global chat and type into the global chat and you're trying to ask questions and get things done, they're actually very helpful and they'll loan you ships and they'll trot their ship out and ask for people to jump on and you have a neat emergent experience with that. I, I would almost call it pay to enable. Like the, the people that I've seen who've put in real money and bought big ships are actually serving as ambassadors for the game. They're not, they're not rolling in and trying to like, you know, kick over everybody's sandcastle. They're, they're helping people build the castles and inviting people into their castle and, you know, get to shoot the arrows out the turret and all that. So um, I, I think the reality of it is maybe very different from the hypothetical or academic view of trying to imagine it through maybe uh, the filter of having played other MMOs or Elite or, or other games like that. Right on. Let's roll on because we're fucking falling behind already. Roy, what'd you do this week? <laughs> yeah, two things. Uh, I had a great time in No Man's Sky, and we're going to touch on that in a future segment here later in the show, so I won't jump into that now. In uh, in Star Citizen, uh, I've been having a blast with my my Asperia Talon just ro rocketing my way up the bounty hunting uh, reputation board. I am loving that ship in uh, in bounty hunting and and uh, decoupled mode. That's just that is all kinds of fun. Um, and ship. then I guess I guess the third thing I'd say is you know looking at some a couple of the stories that have come out this week in Galnet has me like there's a few things that have sort of tugged on me from Elite uh, in the last six weeks. The one was the sort of the misstep of maybe they fixed uh, planetary tech, but like looking at some of this stuff about the the far far gall. Fire God, God cult. cult. Mm -hmm. Say that three times. Um, had me thinking, like, man, I wish, kind of wish I was kind of involved in that. Um, I'm, I'm still, I've still got a an eye towards some some aspects of the game, you know, mm. getting a bit more fixed. And uh, I don't think it's going to take much to pull me back into my exploration expedition if a few things get fixed there. So I still got my eye on that. First off, I want to say Far God Cult, Far God Cult, Far God Cult. Haha, -ha, I'm not drunk. <laughs> uh, next. I would like to say what I did this week, everybody saw it. I, I interviewed some CIG employees um, that 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 I posted two different interviews, one yesterday, one today. 
today. The one today had the fixed audio. I'm not going to go into explaining it all, but I'm the short version is I'm an idiot. It's entirely my fault. The audio got screwed. I thought that like this was the cleaned up version and I just trusted because it's like my audio guy is so good. I was like, well, he says this is fine. I'm sure it's fine. It doesn't sound fine to me, but I'm an idiot. What do I know? So I posted it and then he listened to it and he was like, dude, that's the wrong thing. You posted the output that was what you supplied to me when you tried it with your shitty capabilities. I made it way better. And then he linked again to the place where it was. And I was like, oh, I pulled the wrong file. So there is a two-hour interview with myself and uh, Witchspace or Witchcraft, rather, and Wiley Kine, uh, two XCIG employees that we go into detail about the Star Citizen product, the project, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It is cool shit. And I've been having so much fun playing No Man's Sky, including... A little thing we're going to talk about later where I played some of that No Man's Sky with uh, um, Earth Serpent and Tweaked and Roy. And we had a good time. And I swear to God, I did not run ahead and shoot everything while they were <laughs> up at the first room. It, that didn't happen. Mm -mm, don't believe it. Um, Audax, what have you been playing this week, brother? Well, you kind of outed me earlier, Kai. I have been head over heels for Star Citizen. Um, it's captured a lot of my imagination. Uh, I hate to overuse the term elite refugee because I have not abandoned my first love, but uh, that has taken up all my time. I was graciously gifted No Man's Sky by a very generous person. I've got to dip a little more time into that. I want to start contributing to the Black Sky Legion base there, but for now... Um, but Star Citizen has just has just consumed my attention. Yeah, don't don't feel at all weird about that, man. You play just no, or, sorry, just Star Citizen for as long as that's what brings you joy. And the second that you personally feel the tug for Elite or the tug for No Man's Sky or a different game, you play that. Like, oh, it's a lot of joy. <laughs> I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. All right. So that takes us to a little segment that we have called And now the Leap News Weekly. All right. I'm going to admit right off the bat, that was fucked. Here's the deal. my The sound guy who does the clips for the different shows, for the different things, like he did one for like Elite News Weekly and like Star Citizen News Weekly and No Man's Sky News Weekly. He submitted this as the one. And I was like, all right, we could do it this week only as a joke. One time. One time. But after... But after that, we I said, I need you to give me a real one for Elite that doesn't sound like a fucking funeral. And he was like, oh. he's like, all right, all right, all right. But just, he's like, you'll use it this once? I said, I promise I will use it this once only. But after that, we're going to be more respectful to Elite, and we're going to have a proper Elite intro song. So, yeah, that was, wow. it was funny. I hope you enjoyed it. The people that got butt hurt, it will be the last time you hear it. So. It felt real to me. <laughs> All right. So that takes us to 
the dark wing wheel update man i've had a few drinks uh <clears throat> dark wheel update we are pending expansion and we're prepped for another one the second that lands there's not much to say other than we're continuing to expand and succeed despite the fact that frontier seems to have absolutely no interest in engaging in the storyline maybe they will someday when they do maybe they'll look at this project and see wow look at the number of people that have been doing things for a year and a half plus and maybe they'll get involved Next up, Down Earth Astronomy's community has a carrier trip coming up. It's being hunk hosted by Dunkle Aura, uh, who is in the chat right now. Uh, Roy is mm -hmm. posting it in the Twitch. I will post it in the um, other thing that's called YouTube. Uh, <clears throat> it is a thing that is not happening really until next Saturday, a week from tomorrow. But the reason why we're posting it is that it's it's uh, it happens a couple hours after next week's show ends, and you kind of want to be prepared and you want to be there and be be sort of ready for it. So, yeah, go there at some point in the next week. Park there, you know, while 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 you're listening to the show, maybe next week. Park there, and. Be ready because at 8 a.m. GMT next Saturday, there's a trip going from the bubble to the bubble nebula, which is going to be a beautiful sightseeing tour. I may, you know what? I'm going to come clean. I haven't been playing a lot of Elite lately. I may take a ship and park over there and take a trip. Why don't anyone in the crew who has no intention of playing Elite Dangerous for the next week or so, why don't we all meet up at the carrier? The link is in the show notes for the Discord channel that has all of the details. Why don't we go out to the du Bubble Nebula and take some cool pictures and some, some cool videos. I think it, it would be really, really fun. I want to salute people like the Down to Earth, Earth Astronomy uh, community with Dunkla Aura and uh, other people that we're going to talk about that are still doing stuff in Elite, man. I salute the fuck out of you. That is good. You are good people and keeping that community alive and Frontier does not deserve you, but it's just great that you're awesome. Um, next up, Stealth Boy put out a video. Stealth Engineer's Guide to Elite Dangerous Odyssey. He put it out on July 18th. At the end of the video, he calls out us. He calls out the Black Sky Legion. He's like, hey man, there's this channel, Elite Week. They're super cool and they keep shouting out my stuff for people and they've rebranded and now they're black sky legion go check them out uh, thank you so much i kind of feel like i want to just i think i might just dip in 40 bucks and gift the guy i don't know if he if he's on console or on pc but i'm gonna hope that he's on pc i might just gift the guy star citizen because i feel like he's the one kid at the like school field trip that got left behind and now he's stuck at like the place that it's like oh look it's a third grade trip and it's like we're going to the cement factory and now he's stuck locked in the building at the cement factory after hours it's like school did you go it's like only in new jersey i feel like explains a lot i feel like like come come to where we are it's it's oh it's fun and it's not a locked building and like i feel like he's just stuck there i feel bad for him like legitimately stealth boy if you are a person that still likes elite 
Stealth Boys content is top notch. It's like really good and only gotten better. He's got graphics and sound effects and like he is on his game. Check that stuff out because if you are an Odyssey player that is saying like, I want good Odyssey content, he's one of the few that's still putting it out and he's putting it out well. Friend of the show, Hawks Gaming, put out Viva La Looting League in EDO, The Looters. Um, this was a spoof video that was sort of dunking on Elite. But let me tell you something. It had a line in there that hit me in the gut. And that line was, at one point, I don't know, they're doing really bad fake British accents? Or maybe, I don't, I hope, I I think they were trying to do pretty whatever. Whatever it is they're doing there. At one point the one guy looks to the other and he's and he says the line. He legit says the line like What are we? And he's like we're commanders and he's like what do we do? And the guy goes, "We log in and out to minimize the inevitable grind that is life." And oof, oof, that hit me so hard. I was like that is deep as fuck. That is deeper than Elite Dangerous Odyssey as a product. That is that deep. That is like a oof moment. But it's a funny little video. Elite refugees will laugh their ass off. Elite still trying to play it. Commanders will probably go, eh, fair enough. Um, the Burr Pit put out today. Witch Space News. Far, Gold Far God Cult CG. And... Slow news week from FDev. Legitimately, the Burr is like their sort of last soldier that was hanging in there. And last week, his Witch Space News was kind of calling out Frontier a decent bit. And this week's Witch Space News was the Far God cult is a thing in the story that we've had for a long time, and they've got a CG now. And there's nothing else to say because Frontier isn't putting out news. Oof. Hmm. The hmm. AXI announced that uh, Commander Mgram is taking over as their leader. The founder, Gluttony Fang, has retired from the game of Elite for good and said openly, Hey, man, you want to find me? I'm in Star Citizen. Come have fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Just a little sneak peek. He's not the only friend from the AXI that's playing a fuckload of elite or uh, Star Citizen lately. He's just the only one that made a public statement about it lately. Like, you can find a decent amount of AXI players over in Star Citizen, but you know that's on them to tell you if 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 and when they feel like it. I'm not outing anybody. Um, <clears throat> yeah, let's let that go. Uh, the Hull Seals made a startling announcement today. They are, quote, in danger of needing to suspend activities for consoles, especially the PlayStation community, right now. The announcement goes on to give several indicators that even the elite PC community is also stagnating, while not directly making any statements of them shutting that down yet. Um, I want to give a shout out to Commander Greybeard for passing along this troubling sort of breaking news earlier today. Um, in that post, they, they, they say flat out, hey, the PC, the Steam numbers 
are lower than they have ever been in the entire time that the hull seals have been a thing. And if we don't have some recruitment and some whatever to replenish leaving numbers, we cannot sort of continue to guarantee coverage, period. But most especially for the consoles. And of those, most especially for the PlayStation. But if you read between the lines, if you're saying... We can't guarantee coverage, period, but more especially for the consoles, that means that you can't technically even say that you can guarantee it for the PC. It's just a... It's an oof. It's a major oof. And lastly, I'm going to cheat and put this in the Elite Dangerous News because it's both and I needed something that was Elite Dangerous News. Dig that, 32. Content creator for first Elite Dangerous and then he moved on to Star Citizen a couple years back. Um, he put out the sexiest space legs, Elite Dangerous versus Star Citizen. It wasn't actually negative on any kind. So people who are Elite Dangerous community people or people that are Star Citizen community people, he literally just shows like hand tools, both sides, uh, you know, landing both sides, getting out of your ship, both sides, getting onto your ship, both sides, getting into vehicles, both sides, how many ground vehicles there are, both sides, types of costumes, both sides. He shows it without commentary. He just shows a video of what there is. So you decide for yourself what's preferable to you for each one, you know? Um, and that wraps up the elite dangerous, uh, first, well, you know what, actually we're going to move. Yeah. Let's, let's jump ahead. Let's put in the middle of this. Cause we're just merging stuff this week. Tweak console corner. Give it a go. All right. We'll do this now. Uh, before I get into the console stuff, I would like to, and, and if we had a salt zone, that's where this would go, but I can't let this go by this week Feel free, on the Tuesday. On the Tuesday stream, uh, FDev's stream that they do every Tuesday afternoon, Thursday afternoon, Tuesday stream, their moderator, uh, Osric is his name, made a comment that, and to quote, don't ask questions like an idiot and you won't get banned. Simple as that, unquote. Of which community manager Zach uh, retweeted, echoed whatever you want to call it and and kind of like seconded that and i just got to say that for a company that is trying to be a professional top of the line game company uh, fdev is a, well they were a multi-billion dollar company they've got games that have sold very well they've got another game they're pushing pretty hard right now for them to allow their people to treat their community that way to call us idiots i mean I was banned. I didn't ask questions like an idiot. And even if I did, I wouldn't expect to be called an idiot by the company themselves. That is not a professional look for them. And I know it has turned a lot of people off. And if I hadn't already tuned out from FDev, that would have done it for me at that point in time. It's inexcusable, in my opinion, to, to allow their people to <laughs> act like that towards the community that play their game, that love their game. It's, it's just another misstep and a long line of missteps that they've had for the last bunch of months. Mm. All right. That 
that that aside, for console news, uh, not really much going on Elite-wise. Uh, but like I said, I've been playing Mass Effect. We did get some news that came out yesterday, though, that um, I don't. a lot of you probably remember the old Dead Space games. It came out in the early 2000s, I believe. EA, and I know EA cringe, everybody cringe, but they are remaking the games. And Dead Space 1 and 2, at least, were really good. Really good. So... We'll see what comes of those. It could be some fun things coming our way in the future. Oh, yeah. All right. Does that wrap it up for the console corner? That it does. Fair enough. That takes us to Frontier News. Uh, patches, changes, maintenance, nothing happened. Newsletter. As far as like explaining anything of use to me, nothing happened. Streams. There were two of them. Nothing good happened. Forum post. Nothing happened. Galnet News, Roy, take it away. Yeah, there. You know, there was. Uh, let's see, six stories this week, um, and I thought there was maybe some good stuff in here. The first one, Galactic Mysteries, the Far Cult. The here we go, the Far God Cult. Um, I kind of like this one. Um, you know, the discovery of two abandoned void temples in the Attain system provided an insight into the cultist mindset. So this is like an. an uh, end of the world doomsday cult yes. that uh that thinks the the thargoids are emissaries for some you know uh, extra dimensional god basically um, basically they think the thargoids are dark angels the tharg the mighty the, the 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 leader of the thargons is basically going to bring an apocalypse and kill everyone except for the people that worship him and those people will be fine logic yeah. Yeah, so this is, I mean, I think this is kind of some cool cool story. Uh, more recently, there's reports of several chapters of the sect migrating to the Pangebel system. This is controlled by the Pleiades Concordat, a theocracy devoted to the fire god. So perhaps it's preparing something bigger or stranger than we've seen before. So this is setting up, um, you know, the CG that we'll talk about in a sec. Um, so that, I think this is a cool, this is a cool storyline. Um, the next one, July 20th, IHO reports on new onion head variant. Um, so... You know, it says we're looking at a new type of onion head that's less potent but easier to manufacture, so it's going to be spread out more. Um, its sophisticated composition means it's unlikely to have been developed by the Blue Viper Club. It's possible that nomads acquired it from an unidentified research facility and have now cut a deal with the Kumo crew for distribution. Okay. Uh, Federation threatened by further secession. So this is after the as a lad shoe free seceded. There's dozens of other factions now considering um independence so that that's kind of ramping up uh july 22nd go ahead let me hop in there so the the the, everything that you're going to say sort of forward is basically a variation of reporting on or talking about the community goals the the Mm -hmm. main real Mm -hmm. three things are the three stories you just said yeah i have to say this in defense of frontier all three of those are fucking excellent stories like Really good stuff that if I cared to spin up Elite right now at all, all three of those I feel like would would pull me in. Now, I wouldn't be interested in doing the CG because I feel like I'm on the opposite side of that. I am against the cultists. But I feel like it's very compelling story there. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like the Onion Head variant story, especially when you pair it with last year's you know, Scythe of Pan Am stuff where they basically food poisoned tons and tons of people. They created the blight and all that. Very compelling story. 
the Federation dealing with secessions while they're sort of cracking down and playing big brother on people. And on the other side of it, you know, the, 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 the what do you call it? Uh, Empire is cracking down and being like a, a dick to people. And, and the, the Marlinists, not the NMLA, I do not support terrorism, but the Marlinists, the non-terrorist uh, Republican people of the Empire, I have great support for them. I feel like we need to take a moment and just acknowledge out loud the fact that Frontier is, paradoxically, they're doing a really good job with their story right now. They're just screwing up every other aspect of the game so hard that people are not interested. But the yeah. story itself, you have to give them credit. These are all good stuff. And I'm going to shut up now and let Roy take it back over. Yeah, no, I think this loops back to something that Audaxia said when he was talking about Elite. And you want to jump in here, Audaxius? You wrote something just there in the chat. I think it fits in here. Yeah, I think it was just something that came up recently to reinforce what Kai said. It it really broke my heart is that um you know these are these are stories among a dozen or so that are all getting woven in. But the forum post of the Azimuth saga and the the employee at Elite that put that up there basically almost like a, a call to the community, like, hey guys, remember all this is still going on. Here is the background to it. That to me was just like a clarion call from one of these storytellers that is really knocking it out of the park. And the technical obstacles of Odyssey, which present the biggest hurdle, have really muddied the waters. And I love the Azimuth storyline. I really, I think one of the far, the far God settlements were one of the more atmospheric spots in the game. I love that they're pushing this in the story in some direction. Um, I just think it's it's one it's another heartbreak point that these great storylines are getting lost in the uh, in the greater uh, debacle with Odyssey. We reported mm-hmm. on that last week. That was Bruce Garrido that posted the uh, update on the Azimuth saga in the forums. Uh, Tweak, yeah. you had something as well. Yeah, I don't disagree that these are good stories, but but to me, it's more it's so easy for FDev to do the stories. It doesn't cost anything. It doesn't take any effort really what do these stories lead to is it me going out and scanning a couple posts and getting a couple cool stories and then i'm done with it and i forget about it again because that's pretty much what all the rest of the stories have done up to this point don't get me wrong i don't need my hand held but at this point i need more i need some interaction i need something to do the cg doesn't cut it going to some listening posts isn't going to cut it at this point in time you need more stuff katie yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I mean, a lot of the, for example, the there was Halloween. Um, I forget the name of the mega ship now, but there was Adam the Halloween, Adam Master, Master storyline, which was essentially at the just the revelation of a of a bunch of a couple of recordings and some text, some text documents, essentially. Um, I think that for what the for what these story events are, as in for what you get as a player is return, return for them they should be happening far more often if, they, if this is if they're going to if they're going to re, um to resort to revealing text and some recorded audio mm. uh when you find these things i mean th- this should be something that's happening weekly uh as opposed to every three months say um mm. i also feel that they don't they don't they don't 
do a good job of of reading the room with this with this story elements, um, aiming things at the right audience. I'm going to use the Alexandria as an example where the 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 Thargoid hunting community they they they're dumb Thargoid hunters. They 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 want to fight. They want a big fight, and then you, you gear up this event that looks like it's going to be a big fight, and then you make the ship disappear. It's it's an anticlimax. A lot of these stories end up in anticlimaxes. Um, hopefully, that's something they can address in future. I, I, I sincerely hope that they learn to read the room a little more and gear things towards the audience that they're aimed at. Mm. That is mm. an excellent point. I feel like we derailed you, Roy. Let's get back to wrapping this up. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Uh, the next three stories, like you mentioned, are all setting up CGs, the initiative to outfit Fire God megaships um, on July 22nd. Free Marlin as candidate wins election. So K.O. Tao has been elected as prime counsel for the Marlinists following a successful data delivery initiative. And then New Onion Hit Variant reaches the market. So that was the conclusion of that CG. So we've got uh, the finishing CGs, uh, the one that won, support K.O. Tao. Uh, pretty, I mean, 61% contribution, tier four or five. Uh, knocked it out of the park compared to the, the other side. Got to like zero out of five, 1% uh, for supporting uh, Verity Dexter. Then the two that are ongoing now is you can haul stuff or shoot stuff for outfitting the Fire God mega ships or helping them outfit, and you get some uh, decals uh, for doing that. So that's uh, that's the CGs. Right on. I want to call out one last thing that uh, Audaxius alluded to in the chat, and that I were uh, like I, I I saw it and then I forgot to put it in the notes, uh, but I want to I want to address it. Um, Drew Wagar put out a video today that is, um, wait, was it today? No, it was not today, but it was like two days, days ago. ago. It was two days yeah. ago. It was like how I would fix Elite. And I feel like yeah. it was a very, very good video. It is in the show notes. I've linked it in the, the, link. the channel there mm. for you. I put it in the uh, recording booth channel. Um, <clears throat> it is... A very good video, and if I had faith that they were listening, I would ask them to listen to this. All right. That wraps up Elite News and takes us to our Elite Discussion topic. Um, here's our Elite Discussion topic. I feel that Elite Dangerous has arguably sort of one and a half things that they have that is better than anyone else. The one thing that cannot be questioned they have that is better than anyone else on the market is their galaxy. Now, I think that, um, what is it? Uh, what is that thing on, on, on Steam? There is another thing on Steam, Space Engine. I think Space Engine has arguably just as good, if not slightly better galaxy model than Elite Dangerous, except Space Engine is a tech thing. It's not a game per se. It's not, there's no, you don't fly a ship and do stuff. You operate a camera and you see the galaxy. And and don't get me wrong, it's amazing. I bought it. It's very, very cool, um, but it's not a game per se. 
it's a it's a it's a learning tool it's an educational device it's a i don't know exactly where you'd put it but it's not a game you don't have credits you don't have lives you don't shoot at stuff and get blown up in mind you you just see the universe so elite dangerous has the best galaxy model of all of the games that i have ever seen now i feel like they give up that advantage they give up that head start they give up that leg up when they don't do anything with it if they were to use some of the proc gen that they are oh so famous for that david braben is repeatedly quoted and touted as the god of proc gen if they were to use some of that proc gen to basically pull a no man's sky and not go quite as far as no man's sky does where it's like everything is everywhere but like selectively more realistically more scientifically more whatever if they were to put some creatures on some planets and if they were to put some extra some more more than 144 types of plants on some planets and if they were to put some weird alien ruins or crashed ship or mission quest item thing interaction habitat you could literally just have here's some weird fucking drug dealer type or here's some weird hermit type that packed up his shit into a dbx and jumped thirty thousand light years away and is now sort of living somewhere with his little hydroponic farm out in the middle of nowhere if you were to put what we will call for the purpose of this discussion pois points of interests whether it be a special rock that gives off radiation and is valuable or a special animal that is you know a cow with the head of a donkey or a special uh, tree that has a fruit on it that is worth something or a special mission or a special person to to just you know to go out or a special weird alien ruin or if they put something of interest in their amazing galaxy elite would have a viable answer to what yeah an abandoned fleet carrier just sitting somewhere and you have to explore it the same way you do a no man's sky with uh uh their derelict freighters and there's loot in there there's something of value there's a reason to go but if you have 420 billion star systems and if all of them except for the ones in the bubble have fuck all in them you have squandered your greatest resource so here's what we're gonna do audaxius has a thing he wants to talk about let's start with audaxius then katie then roy then tweaked everyone give me your thoughts on on the discussion topic 
Yeah, just to start out, I think it's a good point and one that kind of hits close to home in a in a in another sensitive way because there was a talk that was posted online by David Brave and you guys have referenced it on the show where he was talking about the 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 magical potential of procedural generation and what you can turn it into above and beyond a series of random numbers. So you know that it means something to him. Um, but what I saw in, in Odyssey is wherever the pressure came from to flesh out the FPS gameplay, it's, it's not news to anyone. It was at the expense of the other avenues that that could have gone. And it sounds like these points of interest, you know, however they would manifest in the game really is like where exploration would have benefited from. And I saw that the, I, my gut feeling is if they had taken the time or the effort to flesh out, you know, as much as they fleshed out combat to flesh out exploration with these things like POIs that, that serve and in game purposes for his rewards, but just an enrichment purpose as far as the experience of exploring. I feel people would have been a lot more on the side of Odyssey because you would have had more buy in from a greater, uh, a greater section of the community. And it would not have been a big technical challenge. They've already displayed that they can do this um, with the procedural generation of the planet system, the points of interest that you currently find within the bubble. I, I really think it was just a matter of pressure pushing combat. And given the given the, the development cycle, that's all that there remained the time or the man hours for. Hmm. Katie? Um, so I, I personally think that... Um... This is going to be an unpopular opinion, but the size of the galaxy works against them. I don't think it's a positive. I think it's a negative. Just because... So you got... I, I, I forget whether it's 100 billion or 400 billion star systems in the galaxy. And after seven years, it's like... It's a fraction of a percent that has been explored. Mm-hmm. If you put random things out there, the odds that of actually coming across them... Uh, they're, they're lottery odds, you know. It's it, just because the size of the galaxy is so, is is too big. It's it's too much for players of a video game to realistically explore. Anyway, um, I, I don't see it as positive. I I I I think that I agree. The space engine is is fantastic. It's incredible because you can you can immediately go and see. Any sorts of wonders you want to see for for a game where travel time and exploration are a factor. There's too much out there for anyone to realistically realistically explore. If you drop these POIs down, you think, okay, we're going to sprinkle them around. It, the chances of actually coming across them, I think, in a galaxy that large are are minuscule. Let me clarify real quick. My idea was that there should be something APOI of interest in every system, whether it be a rock that gives off a special radiation or a tree that has a special fruit or a base or an alien ruins or something. I think there should sort of be a thing to find in every system. Okay, yeah. I mean, that could work, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't have any objections to it. Um. Yeah, you know, I I'd be for it. I'd be in favor of it. Right on, Roy. Yeah, I'm. I agree with what Katie's saying, but I think there's a there's a simpler solution here. Um, what I think back to is if you look at the practically infinite variety of uh, in horizons, planet geography, and star alignment, creating 
that that in my mind creates um, this is I mean this is why you go on an expedition and you take two thousand screenshots right you, you keep finding things where just the random interaction of that mountain or this valley and the star or two stars or this moon and the rings and like it just goes on and on and on and it's practically infinite and by restricting the I guess the flora that we can find to 144 types I think they've I think they've missed a trick here if oh, you yeah. could have if you could have darn near infinite variety because of like hybridization between uh, different types of biologicals that that maybe you could you know realistically believe could be a hybrid or or have things about them that vary like the height like imagine if you're the first person that finds a 50 foot tall example of whatever biological or like they could play with some of those parameters and let it run in the in the stellar forge and just that variety uh i think would tap into that same drive that pulls explorers like myself to go find the cool thing but if it's a list of 144 and it's such a sort of pedantic amount of i mean it's it's a really simplistic variation like red blue orange variations of this fungus you know like it's come on um it's not something that's going to drive someone to go 20,000 light years to go find but if you knew that it was practically infinitely variable and it doesn't need to be infinite it could be once you go above like a million or something it's like katie said you're not going to find them all in your lifetime playing a game anyway um then that creates the opportunity to go find that super special thing and it doesn't I, I would love to see the POIs be scattered about, and maybe it makes sense to put some of those in um, more trafficked routes if you ever want them to be found, like somewhere between the bubble and, and uh, Salome's Reach or Colonia or the cardinal points that, of, the, of the galaxy in terms of directions that people go and try to you know, plant the flag. Um, but that's, I mean, I've, I've had discussions with people offline a lot about what, what could you do with POI placement? Because if there was, if I mean, the ultimate POI, Raxla, what if it's out there somewhere and, and the dev who placed it is like anguishing over the fact that no one's found it yet because we've only found 1% of the galaxy? It's that it's that kind of conundrum. I come back but I think to it's my, easier than that. I come back to my point though, Roy. I think in real life, as we go and explore as a human species and move on to the next solar system and the next and the next and the next and the next, I foresee us finding at least one, if not a thousand points of interest in every galaxy. I, th I think, and it doesn't have to be life. It doesn't have to be, oh, there's aliens. It doesn't have to be, there's a fucking McDonald's. It could be... Just, there's a weird rock that does a thing. Here's a weird planet mm. that's locked in a way that does a thing. Here's a, here's a weird something, uh, so, some, something of interest. And I think that part of that plays into the idea of expanding the sort of role of scientific play in Elite. And yeah. giving, like, you know, having a science station and being able to scan more stuff. And maybe there's, you know, rocks that give off whatever. Maybe there's... Hey, look at this weird star. It has a weird effect on the planet that's next to it. The star gives off these particles. The particles hit, uh, you know, ionized gases and the whatever. And between the two, it makes a bioluminescence or it does a thing. Katie, you had a thing from chat. So yeah, I've been I've been monitoring the uh, the YouTube chat, um, and someone brought up a point about the lack of complexity, and I have to agree with this. So um, to give an example of what I mean. 
Um, if there was a POI, I, I think it would be interesting if there was a POI in every system, as you say, Kai. But someone would have to make these things, the, 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 the individual kind of elements that make these POIs. And if, as we say, like, for example, with plant species, so I think you mentioned there were 144 of them. If you, if you sprinkle that evenly over, 100, over 400 billion star systems, they will repeat to an extreme level. They will become, they will, by definition, become trivial purely because every, I don't know, hundred system, you'd, you'd come across the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that in order for a system like that to work, there would need to be a, a, an enormous degree of, uh, well, either an enormous degree of complexity and, uh, and variation, or these things would need to be region-specific. So you would go to a very specific region of the galaxy to see a certain phenomena. Um, and as much as I would love to see FDEV do this, based on their track record, I, I can't see them doing it. I agree. Uh, just just one, one, final, one final point um, to the, the, the argument that you, know, you go to these places to see a specific vista and a specific view a specific alignment of stars and planets and this is just a personal opinion um so you know take this as you will but i don't think odyssey's vistas are are impressive enough to to warrant that Mm. um again that's that's a personal thing some people will find will find them far more impressive and that's that's fine um for me personally simply hunting out the, the, the beautiful views. Um, I don't think Odyssey is good enough for that. Fair enough. It is almost 10 o'clock, and we're only halfway through the show, so we're moving on. Tweet, hit your point, and then we got to get to real-life science. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I agree. There should be something in every system, some kind of a, whether it be a, a alien ruin or whatever to go down and find. There should be some enemies, since we do have some FPS to interact with. I would go as far as to say, why don't we even have in the bubble? Why don't we even have like proc gen missions where if there's an imperial war going on, something happens or God, there's so many different ways they could go in that, but we just don't, we don't have any of that kind of stuff in this game. And, and if there was more things to find out and about, I think you'd see an army of explorers going out to find there. Why don't we, well, I know why we don't, but we should have, freighters or fleet carriers abandoned ones to go through the atom master to to go through and clear out the thargoids or whatever's in there and that kind of stuff it's just it doesn't feel like it's in the realistic realm of fdev's capabilities at this point 100 percent agree that takes us to real life science roy hit it up yeah so first up astronomers have confirmed discovery of a moon forming disk around a young exoplanet. So um, prior to this story, I'm, I'm unaware of, of astronomers finding any sort of exomoons around planets. The, the sort of uh, technology we have at the moment couldn't, couldn't sort of resolve that sort of thing. But two years ago, um, astronomers spotted an apparent circumplanetary disk. So this is like the debris field around a planet outside of our solar system, but they couldn't be certain. But now follow-up observations of protoplanet PDS-70C made by the Atacama Large Millimeter Submillimeter Array, or ALMA, in Chile 
were uh, key to the conf confirmation. So this circumplanetary disk is roughly 500 times larger than Saturn's rings. Um, and as this new paper points out, the amount of mass in the disk could form up to three exomoons the size of Earth's moon. It's I think it's an exciting finding, but the team's not done with this system quite yet. They're already looking forward to the ESO's extremely large telescope, which is currently being built in Chile's Atacama Desert. Uh, using that tool, astronomers are hoping to acquire even higher resolution scans and build three-dimensional views that can show gas moving through the circumplanetary disk, which I think is, is awesome. That is fantastic. Katie. So um, this is a, a story released by Scott Manley asking the question, is the Apollo 11 Eagle lunar ascent stage still orbiting the moon? Uh, that is the, uh, the ascent stage that brought Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin back up from the moon's surface back in 1969. Um, it has long been presumed to have crashed into the moon because uh, the, lunar the lunar gravitational field is non-spherical. And so objects in a low circular lunar orbit tend to see their orbits become more eccentric over time, with the perilune, um, the lowest point in the orbit, becoming lower and lower until it does cause an impact with the lunar surface. Um, this happened to uh, the Apollo 15 and 16 deployable sub-satellites that they impacted with the moon. Um, but a Silicon Valley amateur space fan um, decided to try and find a potential crash site for the Apollo 11 capsule, um, model, he modeled the, uh, the orbit with a, an open source application created by NASA called GMAT, the General Mission Analysis Tool. Um, this is a, it's essentially a, a utility that allows you to design missions um, and see the, the kind of orbital characteristics of missions as time progresses. So he built a simulation using the records of the capsule's orbit. What he found was that in the model, the, the perilune, again, that's the lowest point in the orbit, gets closer and closer to the surface for a time, um, with each orbit seeing it drop a little more. But then after, after a period, it starts to rise again. Um, mm. And what he discovered was it, that, in his model at least, it would never actually impact the moon. He even tested this with about 100 objects with similar properties to that of the Apollo 11 capsule, and the, the results were consistent with the original parameters. Um, so it is possible, unconfirmed but possible, that the, uh, the Apollo 11 Eagle capsule is still orbiting the moon to this day. That is amazeballs. And I would love to see, we're going back now. We're, you know, Artemis program. We're going back. I would love to see somebody pull up the stuff and say, well, actually, we had to do a double check of the area to make sure because we're sending, you know, people back there. And whoa, there's this. Th Holy shit. We should probably grab that and bring it back and put it in a museum. That's totally. amazeballs. Tweaked, you're up. Yeah, there was a, another video out by Anton Petrov. And guys, if you like this kind of stuff, you should really subscribe to his channel. I mean, th this dude is so smart. My brain hurts trying to watch his stuff. He, this dude is like next level. Uh, there was a simulation run about how an alien civilization could expand across the galaxy per se. And, and what they did is they didn't want to use, you know, any engines or anything that didn't exist already. So they basically built generation ships and, and, and set certain parameters where they could only jump 10 light years at a time. And they could only travel for 300,000 years at a time before the 
ships would quote unquote fail. And what they found is that within billions of years, the, the that civilization would expand throughout the whole galaxy. And and when you watch the simulation, what it reminded me of really was the bubble on Elite Dangerous, how it's all lit up in that one area where civilization just expanded. And it's just it's a very cool simulation. There's a lot of numbers and a lot of formulas that he uses, things like that. We are a type two civilization right now. Well, well, actually, we're more of a type one right now where we take the resources of the Earth. Whoa, hold on. We got to I got to clarify. Just I don't want to put out anything wrong. We are a type 0.5 civilization. When we get to the point where we can harness all of the energy that is hitting the Earth and get rid of fossil fuels, we will be a type one civilization. Once we get right. to the point that we can harness all of the energy coming from our star, we, i.e. either A, through making a Dyson sphere, or B, through some other complicated process of harnessing all of the energy from the star, we will be a type two civilization. When we get to the point where we can harness all of the energy of our galaxy, we will be a type three civilization. But so we're a type 0.5, according to what scientists say right now, civilization. Sorry, go ahead, Tweak. Oh, it's all good. He didn't break it down quite that far. But yeah, we basically what we need to do is we need to get to be the point, the, the type two, where you use all the resources of your galaxy. And it, it's just, it was a very good video. I mean, it's, it's about 12 minutes long, I believe it was. It's not that terribly long. And it's really fascinating to watch. Now, he was saying that this simula simulation doesn't seem to hold water in our galaxy, the Milky Way, because to this point, we aren't getting any signals from the center of the galaxy. And he brought up a point, too, that a lot of the scientists' studies show that the center of the galaxy is actually the most dangerous because you get a lot of the, uh, I guess we'd call it space phenomenon, the black hole energy and all that kind of stuff that that makes things hard to exist out there but check it out we'll have it posted in the show links it's a very interesting video it, yeah anton petrov can always be counted on to put out phenomenal scientific content anton petrov scott manley and isaac arthur are my three science slash futuristic slash math nerds and i fucking love them um yeah so Phenomenal stuff from all of our, our cast tonight on on real life science, which takes us to our next segment, which is space in the media slash sci-fi. So we're talking about TV, movies, books, all of the cool space shit that space nerds need. And tonight we've got you covered with two, count them, two phenomenal trailers. Let's hit it up. My planet Arrakis is so beautiful when the sun is low. Rolling over the sands, you can see spice in the air. The outsiders ravage our lands in front of our eyes. Their cruelty to my people is all I've known. What's to become of our world? Oh. A boy. 
Duncan. Can I trust you with something? Yes, always. You know that. I've been having dreams about a girl on Arrakis. I don't know what it means. Dreams make good stories. But everything important happens when we're awake. Hey, you. Put on some muscle? I did? No. We are House Atreides. There is no call we do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. Smile, Gurney. I am smiling. The Emperor asks us to bring peace to Arrakis. House Atreides, accept! I know you. There's only awakening in my mind. You need to face your fears. Come with me. You need to be ready. You never met Harkness before. They're not human, they're brutal. The Duke's son sees too much. This is my dude. Kill them all. off the ground go this is an extermination they're taking my family off one by one let's fight like demons dad what if i'm not the future of house atreides a great man doesn't seek to lead He's called to it. But if your answer is no, you'll still be the only thing I ever needed you to be. My son. If anything happens, will you protect Paul? With my life. Together, can we stand a chance? October 22nd, we are House Atreides. Whoo! God damn, there is no call we do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. Holy shit! Yep. Frank Herbert has got to be excited. I, I gotta feel like somewhere out there in the galaxy, Frank Herbert is smiling at this. Oh my god. Um... Mm -hmm. It is open to all. Hop in. Uh, let's start with uh, Roy. Your thoughts on this 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 amazing trailer? You know, normally I don't like long trailers, but I think in this case it works. I mean, I've read the books, I've seen all the old movies, and this one, um, it's sort of like everyone's got the question: Is it going to suck? And this is like so far from that. <laughs> it's like it's got all the awesome actors and the visuals and. Uh, I, I love the director. He's made some of my favorite movies. So Phenomenal. Absolutely. Katie, what do you think? I think it is phenomenal. I am so looking forward to seeing this. I am one of the rare people who is a fan of the uh, 
um, the David Lynch mm. film, mm-hmm. okay. and and uh, and the uh, the Alejandro Jodorowsky documentary of Jodorowsky's Dune. Um, mm. Big fan, big fan of the the whole uh, the whole saga, really. So I cannot wait to see it. If I'm honest, cannot wait. Nice, uh, Roy. I'm sorry, tweaked. Yeah, I've been following this project for quite a while now, and the thing I'm most excited about is they claim that they have stuck a lot closer to Frank Herbert's original novel, which which excites me a lot. I'm I'm very much looking forward to this one. Right on. Um, and Audax. Yeah, Dune was pivotal science fiction for me, and I'll just say that the this the, this movie, as it's displayed visually, almost shot by shot, is exactly how I envisioned it. Um, when I read it at the time, I am, I am to the moon for it. I'm so excited. Everybody, October 22nd, it will be in theaters and on HBO stream, whatever the hell thing they're doing now because of yeah, COVID, whatever. But like it, it, October 22nd, I am super excited. I think I want to see if we can get the cast together to do a sort of a live thing, whatever, or something, I don't know, something we'll figure it out, but like. I am jazzed for this. This is, I'm so jazzed for this. It is only, my my excitement for this, Dune, is only outweighed for my excitement for the very next thing that we have a clip for. So enjoy. You can't save yourselves, but you can save your legacy. You can't be here. You know that. I can't be the first one who wanted to see my youngest self. Strange. Watching yourself being born. A genetic dynasty has reigned for almost four centuries. The might of the Imperium has brought peace to thousands of worlds. But the beliefs of one man now threaten the Empire's very existence. I'm not a revolutionary. His calculations are correct. The Empire is dying. Order will vanish. Wars will be endless. Only he can shorten the darkness. The man has a master following. People who hinge their hopes on every word Selden utters. Words have a way of fanning into wildfires. You can't save yourselves. But you can save your legacy. Jesus. September 24th, 2021. I 
I cannot wait. Look, let me just say this. Dune is so incredible and so amazing and so up there. But for me, personally, the Foundation series by Isaac Asimov, the Rama series, mm -hmm. and... The, the Culture series by Ian M. Banks. Those are my three... Those, like, on the faces of scientific sci-fi Mount Rushmore, there are three undisputed gods. And it's the, the, the collective works of the Foundation series, the collective Rama series, and the collective Culture series. I have been waiting for someone to do Harry Seldon and to do the Foundation series right all of my life. And if you were to ask me, hey man, is there one guy? Honestly, there are maybe, maybe in the world, three guys that I could trust to play Harry Seldon. One of which would be the guy that they chose. I, I'm I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name right now. I'm incredibly drunk. Uh, they, 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 he was amazing in uh, 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 the 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 Expanse. He was amazing. In... Jared Harris. Jared Harris. Thank you. Amazing in The Crown. Amazing in Mad Men. Amazing in everything. I, that guy could do a commercial for Wendy's, and I would fucking watch it. Um, it, 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 it the other guy that i could really see doing uh uh harry selden would be um uh mark rylance and uh, the 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 last guy that i think and i just i don't i have such an attachment to him i don't know why exactly it's like he's just there's something about him is uh the guy who actually played the dad in the trailer we just watched, the Dune series, the guy that was in that Star Wars movie and he's done other stuff, that guy, Oscar Isaac, Oscar, Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac, that yeah. guy is also amazing. But 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 Jared Harris, if I were to pick one, that is like this is my first choice. Jared Harris would be my number one choice. Mark Rylance my number two, and Oscar Isaac's my number three. They got the number one. I'm so excited now. With regard to this, it's going to be on Apple TV. The first three episodes are going to be dropped on September 24th, 2021. And then every Friday after that, they're going to drop an episode for seven weeks to make 10 episodes total for season one of this show. They very clearly have set it up that they plan on doing this as more than one Caesar season everyone if you're hearing me go buy Apple TV on September 24th for the month you can get whatever if if you don't like I don't want to bite steal it I don't care what you have to do watch yes he was so good in Chernobyl Jared Harris oh my god you, you, whatever you have to do I, I don't think it's that big a deal to pay them fucking whatever five bucks seven bucks for the month but it's like four dollars and 99 cents i think in the u.s for a month pay it 
And and if you disagree because you hate them, okay, fine. Go steal it. Screw them. I, what do I care? Uh, but watch this show. It's going to be... Oh, my God. This show is... This show, as much as Odyssey trashed my feelings of 2021, this show, I feel like, and I know I'm setting myself up for disappointment here, but (laughs) I feel like this show is going to resurrect it. I'm so psyched. All right. um, Let's start this time. We'll go backwards. Let's start with uh, Tweaked, your feelings. Well, I have almost a shame to admit, I never read any of those books. So this is all new to me, but that trailer looks and amazing i'm i'm psyched and and i do already subscribe to apple plus because well uh for all mankind mankind and and mythic quest are both there so good stuff all around on that channel with with those shows excited for this one oh and oh by the way if you're already subscribed to apple plus i know it's not science stuff but i'm just gonna say it ted lasso drops like next week one of my favorite shows. It's so sweet. It's so great. It's not sci-fi at all, but it's it's sweet and endearing and awesome. Audax, your thoughts on this uh, Foundation? I uh, haven't heard of the Foundation series, but that trailer... <laughs> oh, God, I know. That trailer, hey, I'll say it. The trailer had me with Jared Harris and the accretion disc around the black hole. Oh, God. You don't even <laughs> know how amazing... Found- oh, you're you, both of you are in for so much fun. Katie, oh, yeah. you're up. I am also a huge, huge fan of Jared Harris, uh, absolutely, and also um, the uh, the Foundation series. Um, I have never read the books, but I've listened to the audiobook many times. Uh, I'm so looking forward to this, absolutely. Oh my um, god. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, it's just, yeah, just a huge fan, really looking forward to it. It's, I think, between, like, the second or the third jump when they go to those weird trading clans or whatever. I was like, <laughs> I want to live that game! I want to be in that game! Um, sorry. Uh, Roy, you're up. I am so jealous of Adaxius and Tweak. Right? For having, for having the opportunity to read those for the first time. Um, mm. there's, there's a few series that I would, I would accept a, a, a temporary memory wipe so that I could reread them. Um, I, I, I love this, the, the list you put out. I would add to it Hyperion by Dan Oh, Simmons. yes. That yes. one was awesome. And, and obviously um, the Expanse, the, 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 those books. Yeah, 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 Expanse, of course. Um, uh, Psychohistory from Foundations was something yes! that tant- has tantalized me ever since I read those books. I think, I think that's where AI is going. I think Psychohistory will be real. I'm just going to call that. Okay, A, amazing. B scares the living shit out of me. All right, all right, all right. But yeah, oh. totally. I'm going to be on board with this. I'm, they had me at the first clip of it. Uh, so sci-fi fans out there, you've got amazing shit to look forward to. Please to enjoy. And that takes us to our next segment, which is Roy Stories. Everyone, settle in. Season three of Roy Stories is finally upon us. And Roy, I think you have some special words to kick it off. Yeah, so we're finally here after several weeks of uh, preparing scripts. Then recordings done by 20 cast member, twenty cast members. And then many layers of editing, adjusting, adding in ambient sound, music, and foley effects, otherwise known as the magic, by our sound professional extraordinaire, Mana Hive. 
we are finally ready to launch Roy Story Season 3, Tales from Tawanta. Uh, I'd like to express my gratitude, extreme gratitude, to the large group of people who tirelessly worked on the many aspects of this project. Um, I'd like to start by thanking Commander uh, Tomasson of the Burr Pit, um, the original author of Tales from, or Thomason? Tomasson? I'm Thomason. sorry, I apologize. It's Thomason. Thomason. Uh, of the Burr Pit, the original author of Tales from Tawanta, for writing these great stories in the first place and for supporting their use in our series, and to Commanders Burr and Rainey for creating the wonderful environment of the Burr Pit, whose adventures in Elite Dangerous over the years have been the inspiration for Commander uh, Thomas's tale, uh, Tales from Tawanta stories. Uh, a special thank you goes out to Boss Lady B, who was crucial in helping me scout out some additional actors to voice the female characters in this series, namely Bitbot 2000 and Fembot. Uh, I'd also like to thank the actors who stepped up to help me with narration this season. That would be Audaxius, whom you may remember from last season played Cal, and also Kai and Pitbot2000. I think the variety that the additional narrators bring is really special. Uh, there's a long list of actors who fill out the ranks of the characters, including from our own uh, Black Sky Legion crew, uh, Wolf Dragon and Tweak74. And we will be crediting each of the actors in the notes for the episodes as they publish weekly. Uh, I'm very grateful to each of you for volunteering your time and talents to this season. So without further ado, Kai, let's uh, let's play the first episode. All right. With just a little bit further ado, I want to say who I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for Mana High for doing so much work on the Foley stuff and whatever. I'm thankful for the amazing Burr Pit community in general and, and Thomason for writing this. I'm thankful to Roy for fucking spearheading this whole thing and making it happen. Thank you, Roy. Enjoy the show. Much appreciated. We now return to Roy Stories Season 3, Tales from Tawanta, Episode 1, The Situation and the Sign. Wilson Port, Tawanta. 3305, July 11th, 0711 hours, Galactic Standard Time. Commander Austin Graves stepped into his office and closed the door with his elbow. He placed a mug of coffee and a synth meat sandwich on his desk, sat down in his chair, and thumbed on his terminal. He had been tasked by Central Command of Official Tawanta Order, to get to the bottom of this recent situation regarding their drop in influence in their home system. He knew the reason already, the Burian Protectorate, but he really wanted to figure out the details and, more importantly, what he could do about it. It was important enough that he didn't want to wait until after breakfast. He decided to browse the opposition intel report on the Burian Protectorate while eating. He skimmed the introduction. A cooperative mission to protect an endangered ape species no superpower connections. Nothing he didn't know already from his brief meeting with progenitor Isley Woodward. He made a point of meeting the leaders of any major group in the system as soon as he could to form his own impression of them. She seemed friendly enough, idealistic, energetic, a typical hippie type. Though thinking back, she wore a sly, mocking grin when she asked about the view from his office. Bitch. He wasn't going to move from his office without a fight or hand over the system for that matter. At the time, though, he'd not considered her a threat at all. That was a mistake, he thought. He returned to the report. Finances, strong. For a cooperative with an ecology and environment focus, the Burian Protectorate 
have surprisingly strong finances. Sources of funds are unknown. The confectionery business they run does not account for it. Though donations from wealthy donors and the discounts offered by independent pilots may account for their strength. Recommend investing heavily in espionage and intelligence to reduce the uncertainty here. Commander Graves frowned. He was not a fan of independent pilots. They were too unreliable. That the Burian Protectorate were making productive use of them was both a good and bad thing in his eyes. Their helpers could possibly be bought off, or may wander off on their own. He read more. Espionage and intelligence, strong. Their staff are loyal, with very good OPSEC habits. This is not out of character with an organization that many imperial systems and fur trading corporations would consider eco-terrorists. Hmm, he thought. That will make things more challenging. Diplomacy, very strong. As a core strength and ethos of cooperative organizations, this is not surprising, though will make recruiting allies against them difficult. He frowned. He wasn't liking what he was reading. He skipped ahead to the combat capabilities section. Regarding the type of vessels and skill of the pilots on their payroll, the Burian Protectorate is on par with the official Tawanta order. Their fleet is numerically inferior and they have much less spec ops capability on their regular staff. However, independent pilots provide a significant enhancement to their capabilities. A grouping identified by the Pilots Federation as the Burr Pit had been providing significant aid and were decisive in the Civil War with Tewanta Company. He brought up the Pilots Federation records for this group of independent pilots. A broad range of combat ability from elite to harmless, with the median at competent, and far too many masters for comfort. He then did a search for ships belonging to the group that had been spotted in the system. He took a drink from his coffee mug, his mouth suddenly dry. They had a lot of ships in the system, cargo transports, passenger liners, and way too many military vessels. Too many of those were large ships, corvettes and anacondas. There were too many heavy fighters, vultures, chieftains, and fertilances in there too. And too many combat-capable multi-role ships like Crate Mark IIs and Pythons. Missing this buildup of ships was another mistake. Central Command would not look kindly on that. With a growing sense of dread, he searched tactical databases for tactical analyses of the Burian Protectorate. There was very little to go on and barely any video. Survivors of the Tawanta Company Defense Forces mentioned that correspondence and spec op forces were specifically targeted. Once those were disposed of, the remaining forces were mopped up quickly. It made grim reading, 80 to 90% casualty rates. But there was very little in the way of tactical analysis. The survivors were mostly ships that arrived just before the retreat orders were issued. The one correspondent that escaped was so badly damaged that its recording equipment was destroyed. He racked his brain for some source of tactical intel. Wait a minute, he thought. Wasn't one of those commanders a video journalist? He did a search on Galnet and found footage of a pirate clearance operation in Acellus Primus. As he watched, blood drained from his face. They attacked in groups, focusing devastating fire on their targets. While not as clean and clinical as he was taught in the academy, it was equally effective and more unpredictable. They tore anacondas apart in seconds. Light strike fighters were unable to avoid them. Medium-sized ships also didn't last. Randomius, help us, he said aloud. Perhaps it would be prudent to move office after all. 
Wilsonport, Tawanta, July 13th, 3305, 0017 AM Galactic Standard Time. George walked home from his job in the docking area of Wilsonport. He'd been working the late shift, was tired, and was looking forward to his food cartridge, or perhaps a beer at his apartment. Apartment was probably too grandiose of a term for where he lived. Capsule suited it better. It was just short of 120 cubic meters in size, with a small bunk, a toilet shower area, and a tiny desk and food preparation station. It was situated toward the center of the station, where the gravity effect of the station's spin was low. That made it cheap, though he was managing to save a fair portion of his wages. The long-term goal was to move out to an Alliance colony somewhere, make a fresh start, and live a free man. Not that life in Wilsonport was bad. Citizens enjoyed a decent standard of living, and crime was low. However, the order could be a bit stuffy and overly focused on service to the government. New ideas were not looked upon favorably, and alternative lifestyles were frowned upon. George always took the long way home. The direct route between the docks and his apartment was barely five minutes walk, but that route stayed near the core of the station. George liked to take a detour outwards, toward the edge, where he could feel a little load on his bones. That way also took him past various shops, which was handy, normally, though at this time they were all closed. His longer walk normally took him about 20 minutes. He was a few minutes from home when he turned into a long and seldom used access corridor. In his three years working in the station, he had never met anyone while walking down it. He liked to think of it as his own little secret passageway, though it wasn't very well hidden. It was just that nobody bothered to look for it. This passage ran parallel to the axis and was straight for about 150 meters. At the end was a holo sign displaying inspirational messages, normally in a bold white typeface on a plain black background. Currently, he could make out, Cake leads to sloth. George walked along the corridor, his mag boots clunking on the metal floor. The sign changed its text smoothly. Now it read, Cake is not nutritious food. It looks like the order is kicking off another public health campaign, thought George. That didn't bother him, though, as he lived frugally anyway. However, the thought of having a slice of cake now was appealing. He walked on. Cake is a lie. They really were serious about it this time, thought George. He frowned a little. It was probably some young officer being overly zealous in interpreting his orders. He hoped that things wouldn't get too intrusive. That just set people on edge and didn't help anyone. Perhaps he should have that beer tonight after all, before it was flagged as a prohibited item. He was about four meters from the end of the passage, where it turned a corner to an access ladder to the level where his home was, when the sign glitched. The stark black background was replaced by a two-by-two two grid of pale pink and yellow squares and the text changed to a friendly red typeface. It read, Tastes so good. Then, as suddenly as it appeared, it switched back to the previous message. George stared at the holosign for a few seconds. Did he imagine it? Was the sign hacked? Whatever had happened, it was best for him to be home in his apartment. He was definitely going to have that beer.
Holy shit, the quality level. Mm. Good, good stuff. Go ahead, you had something, Roy? I was going to say, Monohive does amazing work. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, the actors have done really great work, and he just turns it from like gold into platinum. He's really good. Absolutely. Guys, that takes us to... And now, Star Citizen News Weekly. It had a little bit of a different sound motif going than the Elite News. All right. Cool. <laughs> a little more upbeat, maybe? Uh, so right off the bat, let's switch. Yeah, let's get the B-roll going. Actually, I'm not going to put on B-roll because of what's coming. Um, well, actually, I will. Yeah. Um, right off the bat, let's start off with a huge shout-out to a show you guys should know called Soul Citizen. Soul is in Soul System, S-O-L, Citizen. Twitch.tv forward slash Soul Citizens. With an S, all one word, S-O-L-C-I-T-I-C-I-T-I-Z-E-N-S. Um, Fastcart, FC, and Griffin Gaming put on a phenomenal Star Citizen talk show twice a week. They do it on Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern and Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. I'm just going to flat out say it. They do a better talk show about Star Citizen than we do. Uh, we focus on multiple different things. They focus on Star Citizen solely. I listen to their show. I love their show. I pull ideas from their show shamelessly. Um, it is great stuff. But I feel like for all of you people that are new to Star Citizen, all of you people that are elite refugees that listen to the show and are like, man, I'm super interested. I need more Star Citizen content in my life. You need to be checking their show because it's really, really that good. So huge shout out to you guys, uh, Fastcart and, and Griffin. Uh, love you guys both. You are awesome. Um, it's just it's it, it's just great. Uh, so yeah, there is a uh, uh, yes, it's Saul Citizens with an S at the end of it on the Twitch TV thing. There is a link in the show notes that will be there. Go subscribe to them and follow them. And, you know, Sundays at 8 and Thursdays at 10. Go and check out their stuff. It is really, really good stuff. Um, all right. And... In addition to that, I want to highlight a thing that they tripped me onto this week, which was this guy's video. He's a Russian dude. Uh, his name is Good Games, uh, and and he put out a video called "Star Citizens: The Best Space Game Ever?" Question mark. Back in April, it is phenomenal. We are going to play it now for you to enjoy.
Okay. That was amazing. I feel the need to point out, because a lot of times people will say like, well, yeah, video game companies, they put out good videos, whatever. Yeah, that was made by a fan using in-game footage. All of that. In-game mm. footage. Mm -hmm. That is what Star Citizen is. If you still don't get it, here's a quarter. Buy a clue. <laughs> um, holy shit, that's... Wow. Mm. Next up, Super Mac Brother put out Drake, Vulture, Jump Points and Pyro, Point of Interest, Planet Side, Space Whales, PU Update. He put out like a 25, 26-minute video going over lots and lots and lots of the update stuff. It is legit good stuff. Go and check it out. It is in the show notes. And earlier today... Star Citizen put out Star Citizen Live, that vehicle life, 3.14. It literally came out this afternoon. And let me tell you something. If you haven't seen it yet because you're like, oh, it's the inside Star Citizen stuff. It's going to be this, that, and the other. Oh, man, you need to see this. This week, It's the weekend. Uh, watch this because... There are some things that were said in that video that I think are going to surprise the hell out of some people about changes with ships and things. <clears throat> Both changes that have come and changes that are coming. This is super, super awesome stuff. Uh, I see a guy in the chat, Mervey, saying PTU is Wave 3 today, all backers. PTU has been in open. It was in P wave one, uh, and then it, it moved into uh, yes. It is it is P it is open to all backers of the PTU. Um, so you can go see Cloud City and whatnot. As I said at the at the top of the show, there is phenomenal stuff going on right now. Now, this brings us to three or four points that I'm going to hit up that are in sort of uh, set up for the discussion topic for Star Citizen this week. Um, okay. <clears throat> right off the bat, let's start off with the, the fact that the CitizenCon Citizen 2951 announcement, just 2951 is 2021. It's, yeah, that's how that works. Um, it's October 9th, 2021. The very specific wording in the announcement, it has a line where it says, it promises to be out of this world, comma, or perhaps out of this system, dot, dot, dot. They're basically saying what's going, what's up. They're telling you this is what it is. I want to, uh, I'm putting a link in as well to the next thing, which is the Eradicator, Best of Citizen Con 2019, the jump to Pyro. This video shows you uh, like an eight-minute version of of sort of talk up and whatnot and 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 kind of how it played out and it, that's going to be important with what I'm about to discuss here in, in a few minutes. The next thing is the Lore Maker's Guide to the Galaxy Pyro System. This was put out back in 2016 by Sherry Heiberg. Uh, she is the in-house CIG lore master. They talk about the, the, the pyro system. It's an unclaimed, mostly dead system. The primary star is a red dwarf that flares up, shooting bursts of radiation 10,000 times more than our sun. 
The system is a hive of scum and villainy. The jump point is uncomfortably close to the Flare Star. The planets involved, you got Pyro 1, which is a burnt-out little rock too close to the star. Think Mercury, but even more so. Pyro 2 is a coreless planet, also thought to be picked clean. To be clear, when I say coreless planet, it doesn't mean that it's hollow on the inside. It means that unlike the Earth, where you have a core, then a mantle, then a crust, so it looks kind of like a layer cake of different types of whatever, a coreless planet, if you cut it open, it all looks the same. It's all just sort of the same type of rock all the way through. So think of a layer cake and then a, a non-layer cake, just, just a cake. That's sort of what, what that difference is. Planet 3, you've got a lava. Pyro 3 is a lava planet thought to have been recently, fairly recently in astrological terms, hit by a massive uh, 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 planetoid or a piece of one that caused it to liquefy the, the crust and the mantle. And so basically what you have is just lava free-flowing throughout that, through, through the surface of that planet. Pyro 4 is thought to have been knocked out of orbit by the same sort of object, and it was sent careening to where it is now on its way towards settling in orbit of Pyro 5. Pyro 5 is a massive gas giant with a bunch of cool moons all named after sort of fire themes. So you've got like Fuego and Pyro and this and that, and they're like different languages of the Earth with things that evoke the, the, the feeling of or, or, or terms of fire. And then you have Pyro 6, which is a tiny little planet on the far outskirts of the system that is completely unremarkable, except for the fact that orbiting it is Ruin Station. Ruin Station is the single and only uh, 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 station or, or, or habitable whatever in the system. It is basically Moss Eisley. It is one settlement that is a hive of scum and villainy. It, nobody ever really owns it. It's always being contended back and forth. Like one gang owns it for a while, but other criminal smugglers and, and, and gangs and dissidents all get together and eventually they take it over and they take it back. And then, you know, a year or two later, the other guys will come and take it back. Um, there were clear indications given in this Loremaster video that the dangers of the system don't just include the pirates and criminals and smugglers and all around evil people in the area, but also the system itself wants to kill you. There are definite indicators that heat and radiation may be factors that you have to keep in mind, just the same way as they have added in with 3.14 pressure, where they added in with Crusader the gas giant that, you know, pressure can destroy your ship. It wasn't explicitly stated, but it was very strongly hinted that radiation flares or heat from a coronal mass ejection or what have you could cause, you know, actual harm, maybe in your ship, maybe out of your ship. Who knows? But it's interesting, it's exciting, and it's the cool kind of level of gameplay where it's like, yeah, it's not just pirates that are going to get you. It could also just be nature. I think that's amazing. Um, and and uh, one last note. I want to encourage strongly CIG to update the ARC, the ARK, the ARC, with more links to images, scale maps, and hyperlinks and such following uh, that, that would sort of allow people that are newer to the program or just have forgotten 
to deep dive as they're going through the different systems and say, yeah, this is interesting. This is, you know, oh, I did not know this or that. You can take a deep lore dive and really get into the minutia of these planets because they have it. They've put it out at one point. It's just not as sort of easily accessible for everyone to find. So all of those issues, those, those last four topics, take me to the Star Citizen discussion topic for this week. Star Citizen... Well, actually, wait, hold on. Let me stop. Let's do this right. Does anybody have any commentary on any of the points before we get to the discussion topic and, and leave out what the discussion topic is? But any other points on the videos, Saul Citizen, Super Mac Brother, the SC Live today with the vehicle stuff, anything at all that they want to add? Uh, I, I would just say, I mean, the, the cinematics of, of uh, uh, the, the asset we played, the... <laughs> best space game ever that was mm -hmm. incredible good games good games is the content good games right good yep. games yeah um and and i watched the the lore makers guide of the galaxy that was um there's just so many levels to that right like so many game mechanics that that um honestly we don't have an elite that are just fascinating i think it's there's just so many ways to to imagine game loops and fun emergent stuff around all that so i, I was super jazzed by that hell yeah okay uh, you're the only one that spoke up, so we're moving on to the discussion topic. We're good on time anyway, so let's do it. Um, Star Citizen normally puts out a big surprise every year, a big thing for SitCon, CitizenCon. Uh, it's their version of the big Apple surprise. Now, SitCon 2050, which was really 2020, uh, had to be canceled due to the pandemic. It was literally right as the time stuff was happening, and they were just like, eh, cancel it, we'll do it next year. SitCon 2049 or 2019 showed a very, very, very basic sneak peek jump from Stanton to the Pyro system um, in the, at the time, almost completed Carrick. It is the video that I linked to you above from uh, Eradicator. He, he, he put out a good sort of very clean copy of it, and I didn't want to go digging through two hours of stuff, so I just linked his video for people to see and enjoy. Um, at the point, the Carrick was almost complete, and uh, th that's another sort of tradition of Sitcon where they will hype the shit out of a massive ship that they're about to sell for a ton of money, and hey, God bless them, it's smart. If you're going to sell ships, you might as well advertise smartly, and they do. But the actual sneak peek video itself, the part, the Carrick, that was legit. It was almost done, and they they pointed at a couple things and said, "Hey, like Chris Chris was on the screen on the street like stage, pointing up at a big screen and saying, ah, that that part is is changing a little bit. It's going to change a little bit. It's it's, it's coming soon. It's going to be out to you in the next couple like month or two. But um, the 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 part of the video that was them jumping from Stanton to Pyro. I'm just going to say it. I strongly suspect that it was." not real it was a sort of art asset tech demo it was a conceptual video of him saying like this is what we want it to be and it showed a very cool jumping through like you'd like the the, the, the like the, the the system gate the jump point which is what it's called in this game like lit up and then you start the jump and then you're doing this thing that is kind of like a mix between the stargate you know jump from stargate sg1 or whatever and 
and and the contact jumping through the thing where it's like you're going through this weird watery walled funnely type dealy and there's this whole thing and it's a trip that takes like a minute or two and there's actual aspects of gameplay to it where it's like you have to stick to sort of the middle of the stream don't touch the walls bad shit will happen it can like fling you off into space or just rip you into a billion pieces like but i think that that was sort of a conceptual whatever i don't think it was like a real whatever and then when they landed in pyros they you know slowly pan the camera around for like a minute and people saw like oh my god look at all the stuff the hype the hype the hype it's awesome and it was it was great but they literally just said okay plot course for ruin station and then the lady who was flying the ship she quote finger quote plotted course and the ship shoom took off and then fade to black the end um they literally just showed sort of a panning around camera of one vista, one view just on the other side of the gate. And I'm not shitting on them for it. This is development. It was a concept that they wanted to hype people up over. But that was 2019. Since then, we've had 2020, and now we're into 2021. They've hired Turbulent, who have come through and been doing a bang up job. I mean, they nailed the shit out of hospitals. They've been nailed. They've been just hitting home runs out of the park all the way along. And they were working on Pyros. In addition to that, the core CIG tech groups that do all of their stuff from the roadmap have been knocking thing after thing after thing off of the list for for all of the stuff on pyro and nix they've been really getting it together now i don't think that pyro is ready for prime time yet specifically to be released to us because the servers can only handle so much load and you're adding more to it and I think that we're not going to get to see Pyros Nix. We're not going to get to see multiple systems until server meshing is a thing. But I think that the tech is done enough that they have a fully flyable, playable Pyros system and mostly a fully flyable, playable Nix system with the exception of, I think they have the outside of ruin station done i don't think they have the inside quite done yet but they can't give that to us until they have full server mission but that doesn't mean that they can't put on a full display of it at sitcon when they're on a server of one person and they're in god mode and they're able to whatever i suspect i really really think that we are going to get an amazing show this sitcon where they're going to take some new ship it could be something like the Kraken, but I don't think the Kraken is quite finished yet. They do have, if you listen to the the stuff, uh, the, the Super Mac Brothers video that we linked earlier on this episode, there is both some ships that they had that are nearing the completion phase, and then they specifically said, oh, and this one other ship, which we're telling you nothing about, is now pretty much complete. It's ready. I think there's going to be a huge surprise drop of here is an awesome ship here is us doing the same thing we did in 2019 where we approached the gate 
from Stanton side and jump across. But now it's not going to be a conceptual sort of bullshit, you know, selling you on the hype tech demo. It's going to be the real, here is the fully playable way it's going to go. Jumping through that gate, flying to the Nick system, flying around the Nick, sorry, flying to the pyro system, flying around the pyro system and seeing awesome shit that is not conceptual one piece of fake art, but is now the real deal promise kept and then oh and also one more thing my apple surprise my steve jobsy and one more thing now we're gonna jump to nicks and show you that shit i'm seeing in the chat people saying and odin no don't get your hopes up for odin they are very smart to hold back odin because they're waiting for squadron 42 they don't want to spoil all of the fun of that hype until squadron 42 is released that's when you're going to see odin shit this is my huge guess this is my oh my god and now i want to hear from all of you guys a what do you think b are you like oh but they'll also do this or i don't think they'll do that and c just daydream a little bit what do you want them to do let's start with you tweak (laughs) <laughs> gonna start with me huh oh geez I, that all sounds absolutely amazing but 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 I, I don't even know what to say i mean i'm not even in game yet and there's already an embarrassment of riches of things to come i, I can't even begin to imagine i mean pyro the way you described it sounds fascinating it sounds absolutely great to, to have to worry about natural things killing you as well as uh, a, a more nothing you know, a more treacherous hive of scum and villainy. That sounds like my kind of place to hang out there. It sounds like a great place to go bounty hunting. Uh, you're getting me even more excited already. I don't. I honestly, I don't think at this point I can dream any bigger than CIG is or has, and, and come up with anything that they haven't already thought about. That's that's how excited I am to get into Star Citizen, and I just think there's so much for me to dig into once I get there. Tweaked is like that Mormon kid that's like a week away from the wedding night. And he's like, when does this computer get here? <sighs> it's so exciting to see you. You're tweaked. You're so excited. It's, it's so, it's so great. Katie. I've never, I don't think I've oh. ever been more excited for a game than I am this one right now. This is the game I've been waiting to play since I was about three years old. Beautiful brother. Katie, mm. do your thing. So I think, I think you're right. I think that, um, the tech, the underlying tech for these for these systems to exist is all all in place. Um, I would love to see it, as you've described. I would, I honestly would absolutely love to see it. Um, for me, right now, in terms of like a wish list, I'm still so new to the game that I'm I'm still in wonder of everything that I see, more or less. Mm. Um. But I am certainly excited about the prospect of new systems to explore, especially with a system that is essentially lawless, so PvP can occur freely with no consequence. Yeah, totally on board for that. Totally on board for it. Mm. Um, I'm excited for whatever revelation may come, but I do think you're, you're probably right on the money. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Roy, you're up. Yeah. So as you've mentioned previously, you know, once we get past uh, 
we, the people that are playing Star Citizen now for, let's call it a month, uh, once we get past the honeymoon phase, we're going to want to take breaks um, because of the limited number and depth of uh, the existing game loops. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, what, what's going to keep people in this game or transitioning to playing it like a quote-unquote forever game is when they reach a tipping point of having enough playable game loops that have meaningful, you know, persistent advancement. Um, mm-hmm. If we could expand to two or certainly to three fleshed out systems that that in a step change like that, that's going to provide that. I think, though, that ahead of that, as long as the game can be sort of like reading a chapter ahead of the players, so to speak, and having a couple more game loops for people to play with, I think it could retain a persistent and, uh, you know, growing player base, even though it's still an alpha. So my my wish, I don't, I just, I don't disagree with any of your predictions. I, my wish would be that we just keep having a few more game loops um, that that keep it in front of us. You know, mm-hmm. um, I um, I'm not looking forward to uh, the honeymoon period ending and 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 running into a wall and and then you know maybe waiting for a quarter to come back and play it again. So I'm hoping that. Those lines will cross maybe after uh, after the end of this year. Yeah, and I think an important thing to keep in mind is, uh, so number one, because I, I don't want to give people wrong expectations. I'm not saying that they're going to announce from the stage, here it is, and oh, by the way, you could download it now, it's there. No, it's not going to be there, not because they don't have it done. It's It's done. They have no more room on the server cap of items, on the entity graph, on the whatever, however you want to talk about it. It has to come after server meshing. So that's a thing. In addition to that, you should keep in mind, I would think server meshing is such a massive, massive pillar that if they are amazingly awesome, top-level, highest programmer geniuses on the planet, right? When server meshing drops, it's going to break everything for a month. If they're less than that, if they are humans, it's going to break everything for, you know, two months, three months, whatever. This is a massive thing that's going to introduce. It's not it's not like, oh, hey, we're introducing a new, you know, gun or ship to the game. It's like, hey, we're introducing a whole new layer that sits over every last thing in the game. So, yes. When you're inventing a brand new massive technology, you know, you're going to have all kinds of issues. That might be, honestly, I might day one of server meshing, for sure, I'm going to log in to play Star Citizen. And then when it breaks in 9,000 fun different ways, I'm going to say, cool, see you in three weeks and go play No Man's Sky and then come back to it because it's like, Let's be adult about this. Let's not expect like, oh, there won't be any problems. There will be many, many problems. But that's the price you pay for getting an amazing new edition of tech that changes the face of the game forever. And so I'm willing to pay that price because I'm dealing with a company that's being honest with, you know, what we're dealing with and how it's going to go. And I... I, I think it's just going to be good. I'm excited. Does anybody else have anything they want to add to the Star Citizen discussion topic or Star Citizen in general before we move on to Nomansky? 
I could throw something in, maybe? Oh, I'm, I, I skipped you. I'm so sorry. Go ahead, Audax. Hi, Kai. How you doing, Kai? Hey, um, I'm the guy to mirror Katie's sentiment. I am not long in the saddle, but it seems that my experience with CIG is they're establishing this precedent of one-upping themselves because at this point they're they're really the only they're really, they're really the only show in town that's taking it to this level. Um, but Stanton's done with Crusader. Uh, they they've fully fleshed all the asset. I know that since Stanton was made the, the system, that was the long-term goal, and now it's at our doorstep with the next patch around the corner. Uh, if they're gonna one-up themselves as far as location goes, it's it's kind of got to be another system. Um, and I think that a mechanic involved in jumps is a stroke of genius because the, the, the same kind of breath, you know, that sigh of relief you get after a tough fight or like a really dicey mission down in a cave. If you get a little bit of that just from jumping in from system to system, that's huge because I've, I've jumped in elite. I've jumped all the way from the bubble to Sagittarius A and it was it was a mind-numbing hundreds of jumps over and over, same button press every time, no risk involved. I will love the fact that heading to Pyro will may or may not shred my ship to pieces. Yeah, the trip itself is dangerous. It's not a mm -hmm. given. It's not a load screen. It's yeah. an adventure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love it. All right. That takes us to... Bop, 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 bop. We got to find this. It's the No Man's Sky News Weekly. Take it away, Kai. No Man's Sky News Weekly. All right. So right off the bat, I'm going to play this asset while we talk over it. This is a video that was supplied from a listener to the show who... Let's see. Hold on. Assets. There we go. And he said, hey, here, I got this base I would like to uh, share um let's see which was it was it nope it was this one so there we go that is a uh video that you're seeing um on the screen which is a hub share submitted by extreme tuber seven it's x-t-r-e-m-e-t-u-b-e-r-v-i-i -E -E -I -I. so it's roman roman numeral seven no spaces no underscore and you can find it at extreme tuber seven um on youtube uh same spelling as i just said it's rotten oaks intergalactic hub it is a um it is a very very cool sort of base that's built up on this planet there's a bar there's like hookah lounges there's like places to smoke weed there's jukeboxes and fucking like a, a microwave and all kinds of, there's like all kinds of shit here where I'm like whoa I didn't even know you could do that this is a massive and and the coordinates we we have the coordinates uh I think they're on the video but for sure we have them on the discord he put it in the shared coordinate space where it is just like um it, it it's just wow Wow, like all of the stuff in here and, and and anyone can go. You can go like they give the low. It's not like, oh, it's just my saved game and you can't whatever. Like, here's the location. Go hang out there if you want. You can. Um, There is just everything there. It is super, super cool. Uh, Like, yeah, look at that right there. There's a line of hookahs set up. You can hook yourself up there. Um, There's hot tubs. There's... This game, man, this game, 
the building stuff that you can do in this game just is mind-boggling. It goes to an uh, the basement has like an underground exit to like an underground cave system with steps coming up from another side. I can't. I just can't anymore. Like, look at the base that you're seeing on your screen. Like, it is. It's just. Oh. You can't. Uh, yeah, that good nip nip. It's called nip nip weed in the game. Yeah. It is the stuff that uh, that the Gek used to get high. And then, oh, here, by the way, boom, want a free motorcycle? Have one. Oh, over here, there's a fucking. There's a big, you know, tank type location or a buggy location or a little hover bike location over there there's a weird in the background there's like a, a weird tower ruins that have whatever like i mm, i just I, I i run out of words with this game it is that good there's an observatory oh all right um just incredible stuff also hello games posted this week a development update, including a spotlight for their new Byte Beat track sharing feature. So the thing that they have in game, it's called Byte Beat, where it's like you set up a little box, which is like a, it looks like a little boom box, but it's basically like a MIDI programmer. So you can go in there, access this like MIDI musical note keyboard type thing and put all the, like you can make songs. And now they've set it up where you can copy someone else's song if you like it. There's, there's like a sharing ability and people can post their songs and you can copy it and put it on your base. It is just incredible. They also have uh, a whole featured pictures from their photography community, the stuff that has been made, like featured bases, new items that were added to the game with these community research missions. Also, they've added in player decals and banners for some of their awesome player groups in the game. And they're adding in new fireworks to the game for us to unlock. Um, and they end the post with a hint that exciting things are on the way. Link is in the show notes. Next up, Survival Bob posted... No Man's Sky's Ultimate Portal Guide. It shows you how the portals work, the glyphs, the whole nine yards, how to get the glyphs, how to use the glyphs, where to go, etc. And you can use it to travel anywhere in all of the many, many 256 galaxies that are in the game of No Man's Sky. Jason Plays put out No Man's Sky 2021 Prism's Starter Guide, the best uh, start you can get under the 3.15 prisms system in 2021 good stuff it's linked in the show notes and then that takes us to our discussion topic now for the discussion topic i'm going to put on another video in the background that we can talk over here oh not that one not that one you can't save yourself where is the there we go that one this was, we did a little trip on last Sunday. It was uh, me, um, Roy, and Tweaked, and Earth Serpent. So Earth Serpent hosted uh, and pulled us all into his game where he had some stuff set up to go and pull some, uh, what do you call those? Uh, derelict freighters. And... He, the first time, it was just me 
and Tweet and Earth Serpent, and the three of us went and we did a derelict freighter. And I should probably come clean and admit that while Earth Serpent and Tweet were being very diligent and like looking through the records and stuff at the top of the ship, the second the door opened, I just went YOLO and sprinted down every floor, every every level, every whatever, and just shot all of the things with the shotgun. Because that was what I felt like doing at that moment. So I murdered all the things, and they looked through all the boxes. And together, we explored that derelict freighter. Um, and then after that, we reloaded for round two, because that's when Roy messaged me. And he was like, oh, I missed your message earlier. I'm totally down. Are you guys still doing it? And I was like, we just finished. But for you, we'll do it again. So Roy joined us. And Earth Serpent gave, I believe, all three of us a very kind gift of a seed that you can grow into your own living ship. And, uh, and then, because Tweet and I had both already done freighters, um, Roy had never done a freighter. So we kind of, we were like, well, we're going to get let Roy go first, and we're all going to hang back. And Roy can just shoot the monsters or whatever and kind of do it like he's solo. But if he gets swamped, if they're going to like swarm him and kill him, we'll jump in and save him. And that's what we found out that Roy doesn't own a gun. He is a space Democrat. So what we did is actually space Canadian. There we go. What we did was we were like, well, screw it then. We're going to play like he's the president and we're this the Secret Service. So we all stayed like two steps behind him and he clicked on every box and clicked on every door and clicked on every whatever. And as soon as he opened it, we all opened up like space Republicans and just myrtleized everything in all of the rooms. Uh, it was a fun time. Why don't we start with Roy first and get his impressions because it was his first time doing those. Yeah, well, I mean, first a big thank you to Earth Serpent and Tweaked and Yukai for uh, not only inviting me to tag along, but giving me that VIP experience. It was a tremendous amount of fun. Um, I mean, you describe it like I was the president and you were Secret Service. Uh, I'd say it was equally like me being Mr. Magoo and wandering around half blind, trying to remember the key bindings for opening doors uh, while stumbling from room to room and frantically looting everything in sight. Um, it was super fun. I, you know, I've I've been playing Star Citizen pretty exclusively for the last three weeks, and uh, this experience definitely made me want to squeeze in some some No Man's Sky time now again as well. Hell yeah, so we thank can you. we can uh, maybe do that again, you know, this weekend or whatever. Um, yeah, it was fun. Tweaked, what'd you think? Uh, I thought big win for crossplay because we've been doing this show together for a long time, and this was the first time I've ever played a game with any of you guys and it was a lot of fun i love the derelict freighters the the weightlessness the airlessness where the helmets and stuff are floating around gloves are floating around the eerie sound and music that they've got with it i love the derelict freighters and uh, yeah cross play for the win hell yeah hell yeah i i thought we had a great time like i said sorry tweak the first time we did it i literally just the second the door opened i was like boom i ran off and just shot all of the stuffs I expected nothing less. <laughs> but it was, it was fun. I was at one point literally uh, tweaked and Earth Serpent were like, hey, Kai, where are you? And I'm like, I'm four floors down. I just killed the boss. And they're like, okay, we're coming. Uh, but 
but man, it was fun. Um, and then the second time, like us taking 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 uh, uh, Roy along, I thought that was really really cool. I cannot wait to do the same with Katie and to do the same with Wolf, where we like kind of take them along for their first 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 go. It was it was phenomenal phenomenal stuff, and I think. Um, did everybody else got a seed, right? He gave you guys all a living ship seed. Yep. Beautiful. Yep. Beautiful. So that was awesome. Very big, big shout out to Earth Serpent and hats off to you. Thank you for, for uh, guiding us on that fun uh, trip. What do you guys want to do next? Like, I mean, I want to take Katie and Wolf uh, to a derelict freighter at some point too. But I mean, there's also every week, they have these joint missions they have these like hey here's a mission it's a thing you got to do this and you unlock a piece of furniture or you unlock a, a, an item in the game or you unlock you know some massive amount of nanites or or some combination of all of them um i'm down this weekend to do another round if you want to set a time up that works good for you guys either saturday afternoon or evening or sunday afternoon or evening i think we should get together and do a little hour adventure what do you guys think totally totally i was really yeah really really sad that i couldn't make the last one but extremely excited to head out with you guys do some no one's sky what did you think uh seeing the whole little adventure there katie it looks amazing like no one's sky is so unique in its style and the content i'm really really i i haven't played much yet if i'm honest i haven't I played enough to just check it was it was installed correctly and running, um, but I'm really really excited to to learn more about it. Um, my my knowledge of No Man's Sky at the minute is extremely limited. Mm. Um, I'm hoping you guys can help me fix that. Hell yeah! What do you think? Absolutely. What do you think, God X? What do you think of the whole little adventure? I think you guys got to rope me into one. <laughs> well, I look at no I look at No Man's Sky and I look at Star Citizen and the the potential for group shenanigans is just unparalleled all right after the show ends we will get together and we will do uh we'll set up a time at some point this weekend if there's a time that works for everyone if not we'll find a time that works for as many people as possible and we'll do another little adventure group 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 play thing um that closes out the no man's sky section that takes us to the community questions so our community discussion basically on elite was about using ProcGen to actually fill their amazing Galaxy model, which, to be clear, I'm saying this so there's no... Because people are like, oh, Kai is now a Star Citizen chill. Um, Elite has the best Galaxy model in the business as far as games. It's still... I think it's on par or like 1% less than the uh, um, version that is in uh, Space Engine. But... It's, that's not a playable game. But what can they do with that to turn it into a good game? What can they do with that galaxy? Because if you have the most amazing galaxy and none of it makes a difference, then it's wasted. Community question number two, which was the Star Citizen thing. Man, what do you guys think is coming in Sitcon? And what do you guys think of my, you know, um, speculations? What do you think I got right? What do you think I got wrong? What did I, what could be even better than I was thinking? What, whatever. And community question number three is on the Nomansky. Uh, what do you guys think of our little adventure? And, and 
would you guys sort of want to play along? Could we maybe set up a specific date? Maybe we did Nomansky Sundays or something where we did group get-togethers to do missions and stuff on a certain day, you know? Like, because we're definitely going to do group get-togethers for expeditions and stuff when they come out, but who says we have to wait for that? Maybe we can, you know, set up our own playdates and have some fun in between all of that. That takes us to states of the games. Um, I'm going to hold off on giving uh, any grade to Elite this week. Uh, I'm going to give... Star Citizen, a 9 out of 10. Just so great. I'm so excited. Actually, you know what? 9.5 to 9.8 out of 10. Just so good. Uh, For Nomansky, honestly, I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10 right now. It's I know that it's not the level and depth and forever game that is Star Citizen. I know that. But... What it, it it's not so so okay like look, Star Citizen is you know the filet mignon with all of the stuff at the five hundred dollar restaurant. Nomansky is the best goddamn cheeseburger you've ever had in your fucking life, and there's a time when you just want that cheeseburger, and I'm loving that cheeseburger right now. But the I'm starting to feel the pull strong from Star Citizen back. I'm starting to feel like, okay, I got to get back into my Star Citizen. I gots to fly my ships. I have a goal in Star Citizen. As soon as I get back to it, I am going to unlock the Cartual. That ship, I think, is the sexiest ship in the game, period. And enough is enough already. I needs to have one. Uh, Katie, State of the Games. Star Citizen is a 9.9 for me. Um, There's very, very little that I can complain about with Star Citizen right now. Mm -hmm. Um, No Man's Sky? I'm going to give it a 9 just because of the enjoyment it's given you guys this week. I'm looking forward to playing some this weekend with you. Um, I have had a little experience with it, enjoyed it, but it gave you guys a lot of fun this week, so it gets a 9 for me. Beautiful. Elite, Elite Dangerous, I'm going to give it a five. Uh, and that is like middle of the road, totally okay. no feeling kind of. I, 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 I'm not angry about it anymore. As you say, Salt is gone. I, I hope they can recover from the, the, the problems they've got right now. Hmm. But I have no feelings towards it. Hell yeah. I feel you. Tweet. Rated. Well, I'll give Elite a three because of their idiotic statements during the streams their lack of telling us anything that's going to happen with a patch six odyssey is still struggling and console community is crumbling before my eyes so they okay. get a three no man's sky i'll give them a six and a half seven the, the the base building is phenomenal the only thing i feel like i'm missing out of no man's sky is a cooler bad guy give me give me somebody cooler that i can have a passion to go kill or something some more fun with a gun Star Citizen, I'll give that a 10 out of 10 just because they are swinging for the fences, CIG is, with that game. And the things you can do in that game, I've been dreaming about doing in a video game forever. And I'm excited as I've ever been for a game to get into there. I, uh, I, I'm i telling you right now, Tweak, just because I love you, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to log into Nomansky. I'm going to find where all your bases are. I'm going to destroy them. And I'm, gonna, <laughs> and, and, and I'm just going to leave a black hand mark 
on the wall to see you're like, who is this super villain who keeps fucking with me? And then that will give you, you'll be like, I now have a passion for this game because there is a villain out there I must thwart. Um, Oddax, mm-hmm. rate the games, brother. Yeah, I got to match you on Elite. I, I got to hold off on a grade because I can't experience it because of technical things on the computer. Okay. I got to give him a fair shake. Um, no Man's Sky, I've been able to hop in a little bit. I've got to give it at least a 7 out of 10, but that's only because I haven't been able to sink my teeth in deep enough. Mm. Uh, Star Citizen, uh, it's been said about something else by someone else in the movie, but I look at Star Citizen, and I got to say, well, this one goes up to 11. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Oh, yep. Mon goes up to 11. Let's, we're, we're all doing really bad Spinal Tap accents. And Roy, rate the games, brother. So I'm not going to give Elite a score, but I will give... I'm not interacting with it, but I will give them props for the uh, the, the Galnet stuff uh, mm-hmm. this week. That sort of struck a chord with me, and uh, it makes me really root for them to pull this thing out of the fire because I... I've got unfinished business on an expedition that I want to go back to. I want to have the passion to go back to. So I'm still holding it. I'm still carrying a torch for that. Okay. Um, I'd say both uh, No Man's Sky and Star Citizen, I'm going to give a 9 out of 10, but for very different reasons. Uh, no Man's Sky, I've thoroughly enjoyed when I've played. I'm on the verge of like getting the bug, I'd say, meaning... I've got something I'm passionately chasing, whether it's, I don't know, I don't even know enough about the game to know what it would be, whether it's a ship or expanding my inventory or getting the certain thing or mm-hmm. going to a place. Mm-hmm. But once I get the bug, then uh, you know, then I fall down the rabbit hole, but it's not quite there yet. Uh, but I've had tremendous fun. Star Citizen, oh, I'm loving playing it, but it's sort of like when I get to the 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 second to last chapter of a beloved book series that I'm reading and I'm dreading the book being over. Mm. Um I I'm I'm really trying to figure out what the next loop is going to be if I sort of run into a wall at the end of bounty hunting because uh, mm-hmm. I I'm having so much fun in that game I don't want to take a vacation from it so that's why right on I feel like your your grade to elite was like 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 little kids now where like your 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 eight year old daughter runs up to you and goes daddy daddy I got my test back and it's like you got you like your grade was an orange and a sunrise and you're like okay what the fuck does that even mean like that's what they do with little kids now they give they don't give them like oh i got an a i got a b i got a 90 percent. i got 80 percent. it's like you got a hot dog and a race car and it's like what is that um all right guys it's been a blast i hope you had a fun time with us uh talking about some cool movies september 24th foundation October 22nd, Dune. Great games, fun stuff, real shit that's happening in the galaxy and space and stuff that could be happening. Um, We had a blast. I hope you did too. Let's go around the horn. Let's start with our guest, Adaxia. Say goodbye to the beautiful people and give your closing thoughts. Uh, Alfita saying, I hope to see you guys uh, in the bubble and in the verse and uh, anywhere else I run into you guys. Thanks. Beautiful. Tweaked. Do it to it. Hey, thanks, everybody, for spending some hours with us tonight. Hope you guys all had fun. And Shazmak, Nanu Nanu. Shazmak, Nanu Nanu. Roy. It's been fun. I really enjoyed all the engagement and chat today. So thanks for that. And uh, I'll see you all in the verses. Oh, yes. 
and Katie. It has been, as always, an absolute pleasure to be on the show with you and the rest of the team. And I will look forward to seeing you all and sharing opinions next week. Absolutely. Y'all heard enough out of me, so I'm just going to say goodbye. After the show, after the song, the closing song, we will have the uh, after party in general chat in the Elite Week Discord. So come and join us. In the meantime, it's time for some more Rubits singing. Yeah.